Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play. I'm Eric Campbell, your storyteller for the evening. As per usual, this is the Stream Punks, my group here, the Stream Punks. Hello, everyone. It's good to see everybody. Uh, I am currently looking at my notes here because there's a couple of announcements that we have to get off uh, before the show begins. The one that I've gotten all caps that I'm super stupid excited for is apparently there's a Call of Cthulhu game coming up with the old Weave crowd. And I want to know about it, Gina, because I found out about this on Twitter. I want you to tell me about it. Oh, hi. We're throwing, throwing the announcements at me. Okay. I don't even mm -hmm. have to raise my hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the, the ladies of, um, of, of TVDRPG are um, coming back together for a game on Becca's channel. Um, we're playing Call of Cthulhu, and I have been assured in the email, you better be ready because I'm going to try to kill you. <laughs> Excellent. So, is, Be is Becca running it? Yes, Becca is Excellent. running it. And um, this will be my first horror game, and I'm terrified, so check the socials. <sighs> And watch that game this Wednesday. Ah. Oh, we gotta, we got, we, Gina's gotta play Alien with us. Gina's gotta play Alien with us at some point. Okay. Good to know. Making that a note. Um, that's awesome. It's gonna be great. Uh, the last time I played a Cthulhu game was actually with Becca and Whitney when we did our, remember, yeah, Sander, when we did our, 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 yeah, our trailer Cthulhu one shot. Um, they so made fun. it out alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sander, Sander, not so much. <laughs> Sander and Blythe, not so much. Spoilers. Um, but hey, you guys weren't killed by tentacled monster creatures. You were killed by the laws of physics. Through that. Yeah. Um, mental note for anybody who is curious: uh, do not fly a biplane at full speed into a forest. Who don't. Known? Don't do it. It's not a good idea. Don't cartwheel your plane across the runway and explode in a forest. All right. To make the new mental note, yes. Um, so I remember with, this game. It took me a second, but now I remember. Yeah, this it was game. the Halloween game over at GNS. Yep, yep. I, 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 mod, I modded that game. Ah, uh, it was good times. That was fun. I was so sad. It came down to a roll that Blythe made, and she felt so terrible. I'm like, no, don't. That's the game. <laughs> that's goes. that's the game. It's not your fault. Um, so, uh, what other announcements do we have for this evening? before we jump in tonight. Yeah, well, I can jump on that. Uh, yeah. Gina and I over at Pixel Circus, a Twitch channel. Uh, it's a new game called Failed Safe. We're playing D&D, &D, uh, led by Vince Casso. That's at 6 p.m. Friday nights. And uh, the first episode happened. It was, well, it happened. <laughs> it's a ton <laughs> of fun, and it's called Failed Safe for a reason. <laughs> Excellent. All I know is that the, the the motif of like 16 and 8-bit graphics is has won my heart. Yeah, it's yeah. Looks so good. Both of your <laughs> like, is it weird for me to print these out as posters? And <laughs> <laughs> it was like trading cards. <laughs> oh, hey, not a bad idea. Oh, Sam's like merch idea, merch idea. I'm writing this down. <laughs> um, great. Uh, yes, Aki. Uh, I'm still on for the Quizard and I next Tuesday. Uh, I'm still putting together all of the information on that, but I am doing Star Trek trivia. So if you want to come kick my ass at Star Trek trivia, come hang out for that next Tuesday and keep an eye on the socials uh, for more information about that. Sweet. Hi, we were going to show up and uh, chat bomb you. Right, Rafe? Look at. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, uh, yes, 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 yes. I have one, Eric. Yes, Bonnie, go ahead. This Saturday, uh, y'all go to a, the Library Bard social media uh, in order to get tickets, but it's uh, an event called, I'm reading this because it's a lot, Nerds and Music. It's with the Double Clicks, Jonathan Colton, Molly Lewis, uh, special appearances by the Library Bards. That's us. Hey, Amy Dallin, uh, Eliza Pearl, Hal Lubin. It's like, it's basic, uh, Paul and Storm. Oh, it's well, like I'm, a crazy I amount love of people. Storm. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy amount of special guests and really fun uh, uh, comedy sketches and, and music. Uh, I, I know for a fact that, you know, Star Trek may or may not be mentioned in a sketch. You should all watch. It's funny. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun and it's going to be a fun Saturday extravaganza. Sweet. The end. All right. The end. Um, all right. Are there any other announcements before we jump into tonight's lay game, which is not appropriate grammar? Because doesn't that mean the game before we jump into tonight's the game? Uh, anyway, yes. Oh, Sam looks like they want to say something, but they're waiting for me to talk myself into a circle. Is that accurate? Nope, Sam is frozen. So we're all going to just have to deal with this sassy look from Sam for the oh. rest of the game. <laughs> At least we can't start until Sam says there is I know. What are we going to what do we do? What do we do? Sam said I might lose my power and then like Oh no. Right Quick, everyone, everybody, everyone oh. clap your hands. Clap your hands. Clap your hands for Sam. Sam. Back. I do. Oh. Oh. oh, thank goodness. Like I do believe in Sam. I do. I do. Uh, by Harry, excite have Harry I been summoned, <laughs> and by excite shall we go to space. Okay. With that, let's jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Welcome back to Clear Skies. We're ready to jump into our game. But before we do, a little science. Currently, we are experiencing a destructive heat wave here in Los Angeles. It is predicted to be up to 109 degrees tomorrow. Uh, and apparently, yesterday, scientists are saying that it is very possible the hottest temperature ever recorded in the modern times was recorded in Death Valley, California at 130 degrees. 
good times. Oh my god. Yeah. You got nothing, Tatooine. You got nothing. All right. So, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode. When we last left off, the USS Ross was currently at station in the middle of a Mutara-class nebula, back in the good old Alpha Quadrant. No, you guys are in the Beta Quadrant. You guys have left Klingon space and are in a Mutara-class nebula back in a small pocket of Federation territory before heading back to the Shackleton Expanse and Narendra Station. You have this gap of time to which you can kind of plot your own course for the next little shy of a week and a half now. You have all this time to get done whatever it is the USS Ross has been wanting to get done. Essentially, it's shore leave, but not shore leave, but shore leave. And you've been making good time of it. Particularly you, Miss Chatty Bonnie Gordon, whose Chatty. character, whose character, whose character last week saved the life of one Romulan Sorex by injecting his brain with Borg nanites that have been enhanced to restore the degenerative, de the degenerative decay that had been taking place in the lower part of his brain. Before the process had been reversed, he had reached up to 13% loss of brain tissue. Just a typical Monday, all yeah. in a day's work, my dear. You managed to save his life. Not only save his life, but the nanites actually began to regenerate the brain tissue itself. Not just regenerate the brain tissue, but regenerate it to an exactitude of what his brain scan was before the degeneration began to take place, which is a medical feat that has not been done by any modern Federation technology. Since that time, since the successful surgery, everyone has been, the, the ship has definitely been in high spirits particularly because you've entered into a calm pocket of the Motar-class nebula, which means people have been able to get some rest and avoid the rolling <laughs> uh, ship-wide, uh, yeah, the shimmies, basically, as everyone's been kind of experiencing the turbulence of a nebula. Of course, the Ross is in this nebula specifically so it gets to have some downtime without having to get worried that it might be getting tracked. Um, there has been no sign of the Romulan ship that has been hunting the Ross since your departure from that pirate planet in which you definitely did not meet a certain pirate Romulan, uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, Orion smuggler captain. Um, ever since your departure from the from that sector of space, there has been no indication that a Romulan has been tailing you. But then again, with a near-perfect cloaking device, it's hard to say. The USS Ross has been on station keeping right now, and even though things have calmed down considerably and spirits are high, not everyone is enjoying the calm. In particular, one ambassador on board the USS Ross has been given a bit of news that has been unsettling. Once brain function had been largely restored, it would appear that Sorex had a resurgence of memories that had been hidden or lost, was able to sort of crystallize his thoughts a lot uh, to, to, to a more exact detail, to the point where he was able to actually convey who some of these like images, these ghost-like images were in the holodeck programs that Exio had been helping him explore along with the doctor and the captain. 
One thing he did remember, though, was that Olin's father apparently was a target for Tal Shiar recruitment, which was news, <laughs> to say the least. He doesn't have that much more information, only just that he remembers that he was a target and that he was one of the mission parameters while infiltrating Starfleet. We pick up tonight's game at the start of the next alpha shift. So the day starts, the bell chiming across the USS Ross as the lights begin to grow to their full luminosity. Crew members begin to exit their quarters and attend their, uh, their morning meetings talking to department heads as Ox crew begins to busily move about the ship. Alpha shift coming on. Begins with the doors to the bridge opening and the bridge crew of the USS Ross emerging from multiple turbo lifts to relieve officers at their stations and take their posts. Vren settling into the helm, Prawl taking the tactical station. Lacat, you slide into the science station, oddly rested this morning. As you, <laughs> as you sit down, um, Exio, of course, is waiting for you when you enter into the bridge, uh, Captain Sull. Uh, she is standing right by your center chair, as usual, arms folded behind her back and a pleasant look on her face as you move down the ramp. It was a quiet evening. Not, sensors have not been picking up too much information, except for it has been taking this time to study the nebula. Uh, but it is, in fact, a well-documented, well-classified nebula. And so the Ross has been mostly just confirming what science scans have already revealed about this nebula some 20 years ago. All's quiet on board the USS Ross. That's where we begin tonight's game, as Captain Sol slides into the center chair. You're about 10 minutes away from when you typically schedule the staff meeting for senior staff in the mornings. I should specify that although this nebula has been excellently and very thoroughly charted for centuries, frankly, mm -hmm. if LeCat finds a new species dwelling somehow in the nebula, <laughs> she'll get something. I do not specify what the something is. I just motivate my officer. A cinnamon roll. Yeah. I will give you a cinnamon roll. <laughs> You want my cat to go back to sleep again? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is how you keep a cat awake at night. She's ready to find a new species. <laughs> Stations don't reveal anything. Uh, internal scans, you receive update reports um, as uh, Yeoman Shanto hands you some data pads to update you on all the things that have happened during the, the uh, beta and gamma shifts. What you basically read is a standard report. There's a couple of colds on board that are being treated in sickbay, uh, a couple of flower po uh, power fluctuations in the power grid, which is not unusual during uh, your trek through the Mutara class nebula. Um, you guys have been charted as into the center of this pocket where it seems like a lot of the gaseous turbulence in this nebula has not been affecting the USS Ross in particular, giving you sort of like the same effect as flying through the eye of a hurricane in that regard. Nothing else really to report. A couple of transmissions from Starfleet Command but most of it's just basic book and record keeping. Checking on status, nothing really extravagant to report. Yes, Lacan. Um, is it, so is it etiquette for Olin to be here at the top of Alpha Shift and are they, uh, are they here on the bridge as well? 
Olin is, is, if I remember correctly, Olin typically attends the senior staff meeting and is included on the senior staff meeting. And so as a result, Olin has traditionally shown up at the start of uh, Alpha Shift, specifically so they're available for the senior staff meeting. In the they morning. have the chair to my left. Uh, someone familiar with uh, Galaxy might know, like, the Deanna Troy chair. Yeah, the Deanna Troy chair. Yeah. Perfect. I actually, I have seen, I, I have seen the Deanna Troy chair. I know the Deanna Troy chair. It is, also, it is also sometimes the doctor chair as well. It's. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? It's also sometimes the doctor's chair as well. Oh, good to know. Um, I just have that visual of Deanna sitting in it, so like, I know. Um, is Olin there and uh, what does their general demeanor look like? Because I think that just subconsciously, because LaCat does see them as such like a good friend, they like check in just like every morning, even if it's not like a actual hi, because that's way too polite for LaCat. But <laughs> um, what are we getting from them? Olin is there and is on time as usual. Uh, but patience is not with them. And that's range. Has that ever happened before? There are times when like protocol doesn't allow for patients to be with Olin and that's usually like on on like mission stuff that they, they won't bring patients along, but okay. patients always, as long as the captain says it's okay, accompanies Olin to the bridge. Okay. So, uh, I don't think I've ever been on the bridge without patience. Okay, so this is definitely standing out to LeCat. No uh, patience. I think uh, LeCat's, like, eyebrows. Sorry, uh, one, more, yes. sorry one more point of clarification. Uh -huh. If we were in the middle of a red alert or a yellow alert, patience would also not be on the bridge. I figured, yeah. Oh, okay, yes, absolutely. Um, can't say the same about Orwell, but he'll go on. Orwell's where Orwell wants to be. And heck your restrictions. Yeah. Orwell's gonna Orwell. Uh, yes, we are technically at yellow alert now, but we're not like in a emergency way. So that's, there's some differences there. Sure. Uh, Jane is, oh man. Uh, okay, so here's what Jane does. I think that she sees the lack of patience and her eyebrows, like, she, this is like the most like facial expression you've like seen on her for, for a while. Um, but she doesn't say anything. She just turns to her workstation and concentrates on a, like a flurry of emotions. Just like, I'm gonna be concerned, but I'm also going to be worried. And I'm also gonna be kind of pissed that you didn't tell me about this. And so, and, and it's almost like she, is trying to set up, send up like a red flag with her emotions uh, <laughs> for you. Owen. So she's like, I understand that this is ha something has happened here, but I'm not going to call you out in front of everyone, but I'm going to tell you in a way that only you know. Olin, I think at the very least, like their eyes flick to the side at LaCat's back, and then they just sort of just continue to sit. <laughs> I'm thinking very hard at you. Um, and she's like scowling while looking at her, uh, while looking at her, um, the sensor display. And uh, if Ren asks, she's gonna like shush him. And that's that's what Jane's doing right now. She's concentrating. Okay. Uh, Vren looks like he is going through the morning routine of checking tr 
position, checking speed, like basically catching up with everything the Ross has been doing since he's been asleep. Finding out where in space you are. <laughs> uh, not an easy thing to do, especially with external sensors that are just blitzing out right now. External sensors, you can get kind of base reads from the nebula. Chemical compositions, gaseous uh, anomalies that are about the ship, but for the most part, long-range sensors and short-range sensors, they don't really function within the nebula. You can't see what's going on outside, and you can barely tell what's going on inside. So uh, out, if you raise visual on the, on the main screen, it's just mix of static with some occasional glimpses of what you're seeing outside. You have a better opportunity to look out the window and have a good idea of what's going on. But after a few minutes, um, everyone are kind of just like clockwork rises from their their posts and proceeds to the back uh, conference room for I the senior staff meeting. Uh, before the the actual meeting gets started, Exio, mm -hmm. you'll receive a notification in your calendar that Tech has requested a counseling session at some point whenever you're free. Oh, but that's definitely before the meeting. Okay. Okay. Okay, so, uh, all right. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, Exio has, uh, had a lot going on. She has sort of been allowing herself less free time to, because she, uh, has been actively working on several projects, namely connecting all of the stuff for Olin so that this is prepared and now after receiving like an intense um, sort of emotional um, uh, hit to Olin, um, picking up even more so of that slack in case they need extra support. Um, and and then was very amused and concerned at the body language of today uh, because yay, look, cat got sleep. Oh, that doesn't look good. Oh no, like, <laughs> oh no. Okay, well that may, like, like yeah it's a lot of like oh no oh no oh no oh everything's okay well that's an expected behavior but that's okay like it's a lot of like piecing together and a lot of processing and then it was like doo -doo 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 -doo, and then like a small like relief of like oh thank god someone reached out <laughs> <laughs> just, just like whoo um so it's been a lot of processing and and then thank goodness okay <laughs> So relief crew members of the Ox crew take over at the stations as you all uh, head back to the conference room. Everyone's settling in at the long, glossy black surface of this table. Outside the windows is there are the beautiful golds and purples of this nebula swirling about the ship. But because you are in this pocket of calm, you have this really beautiful telescopic view almost. Like there's a warping effect outside the window that kind of makes objects closer than they appear. And you can see these lightning effects within the cloud every now and then, just like a like a spray of light within the clouds themselves, as this nebula is constantly roiling around itself. Vryn takes a seat. Prawl takes a seat. Everyone's settling in. Uh, Asmi Chanteau moves around the side and stands next to the captain with a stack of data pads in her hands and gets quiet as the back screen comes online with the Starfleet logo. The, what do we got? Uh, Asmi Shanto begins to pass out data pads and she says, uh, just some basic housekeeping from Starfleet captain. Nothing particularly ex exciting today. Status reports, updates, things like that. 
hands them out. Engineering? Anything interesting with those power fluctuations? It seems like we're keeping them steady for now. Um, I think as long as we stay put, you know, we've got a good chance of staying here for quite some time. Um, of course, we can't continue with our research with the uh, ESB until we make connections with the Jashashians, but until then, engineering should be good to go. All right, that's good. Uh, how is our patient doing? Recovering? Yes, he's healing nicely. Um, it seems to be still a bit of a shock uh, to have some of his memories come back as quickly as they have, so I'm trying to give him time to process. Also, trying to give the crew time to process his new old face. Yes, it does rather blow his cover more than previous, but we'll eventually have to have an interview with him in order to advance some of our other aims, but I defer to you, Doctor, on when he will be ready for it. He's been mostly just keeping to himself in his quarters, also for his own benefit, to not stir the pot of the crew. I think that's the right expression of um, pot stirring. I would no? have to ask a human... <laughs> I like lot of lot of uh, quite space in between after. So yeah, I'm worried sounds... that I said something inappropriate <laughs> in your window, in you window, in my window. <laughs> <laughs> Just put the data pad down. You uh, set it down. Uh, to the room. Pick up. I pick up my tea. I'm just gonna Vryn, pick up my tea. Vryn, Vryn across the table, staring at you with his eyes, kind of like. Like he's figuring, like he's unwind, he's unraveling everything you said. Like, okay. No, because it's, so Lacat turns yeah. around and is like, "Aren't you good at human sayings? Like, you know how to swing dance and stuff? Is that?" Uh, I, I, I'm I'm okay. I mean, I think I'm okay. Is she using it right? About the pot string? Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Wait, maybe. Huh. Maybe. I suppose we have one person who was actually born there. Axio, can you give us any insight? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> um, you, from now on, the, the window—the windows part sort of threw me off. Yes, well, I'll help you with the puff, but the windows. <laughs> I'll right. try uh, and confusing. Not uh, do as many um, lingo phrases. Please never stop, Doctor. I've been we trying need this to kind work. of cultural exchange, and I appreciate it. No matter how many years you spend with them, you don't always know what you don't know. Does it matter what's in the pot that you're stirring? Vryn pipes up at that point and says, it's worth noting that the most powerful brain on board the ship still doesn't know if you're right or you're wrong on that. So I just want to point out that because of that fact means that I'm still really good at, at this kind of thing. Jeez. And Olin just turns no, the to- the pot um, was actually used correctly. Oh. Uh, and Olin just turns to um, uh, tech and in Japanese says, they have a completely different saying for it there, don't they? Mm, talk the ears off a brass monkey? Mm, so then they. <laughs> <laughs> Prawl, 
murmurs, this is the most surreal meeting I've ever had in my life. Anything from tactical, then, to get us back onto track, Commander? Sensors are utterly useless. Shields are still down, Captain. Well, so it is on our evasion course, and that I leave entirely in the capable hands of Lieutenant Bram. Uh, 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 Commander Prawl, I apologize. Um, we have no sensors, and we can't use shields, but in the current position we're in, is it possible to send out messages and stuff? Not until we exit the nebula, no. Any kind of transmission that would try to escape the nebula would undoubtedly be scrambled before it ever reached the perimeter. I see. We could conceivably send a probe as a carrier. But your and link to the probe would be scattered, Captain. It would be Leave it as difficult. a message in a bottle to the... Once it exits the nebula, send its message to the nearest subspace relay. Something is better than nothing. It's true we could use a an emergency probe. The is way there... that some do with SOS beacons, we could totally rig something like that if you'd like, Ambassador. Is there something emergent, Ambassador? It would give away our vector a little bit. It would throw us off somewhat. But if it's required for the Starfleet Diplomatic Corps, I'm sure we can make something work. Also, um... it's, it's important to note that the message in a bottle would just be that. You would not get the bottle back, meaning if someone replied we would not be able to receive any bottles. That one was correct, I'm quite sure. I don't know just yet. I'm still trying to determine a few things, uh, but we'll let you know if anything emergent does uh, surface. Please do. Look out. Any luck on those life forms? Uh, can I roll for those life forms? <laughs> I can tell you there's no life forms in this Mutara Nebula. This this nebula has been mapped thoroughly, and can it I, is the remnants of a dead star. What's that? Can sorry? I roll for an interesting piece of on this nebula? I'm, uh, I mean, you if, if yes, if you want to build some momentum, I, I'd be down for that. So we can set yeah, it at difficulty zero. It. Okay. Yay. Um, I would say that's your reason science role. Uh, amazing. I just don't want to come back empty-handed, you know? If the captain asks me, any life forms? I want to be mm -hmm. like, no, but there are. Okay. Go ahead. Two successes. Gain two momentum, yeah. everybody. So what comes out of the cat's mouth is basically a just an avalanche of basic science facts about a nebula. How long this nebula has been around, how long it's been documented. They say it is the remnants of a star that was destroyed by what they believe may have been the natural life cycle of a star some few billion years ago. It is sort of the aftermath of a supernova. Could I also add like an addendum of just like if research and I can I will roll for this as well of just like all the ships that have like gone wrecked or died by this nebula. <laughs> um, the nebula no, triangle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no ships have been lost in this nebula. Um, this nebula has been charted by a Federation science team some 65 years ago. Uh, it has been updated 20 years ago. It has been deemed rather unremarkable. A beautiful, beautiful sight. But for the most part, it is your standard class celestial puff cloud. 
So, with a lot of thunders, with a lot of thunders rolling. So on top of everything, it's an unremarkable puff cloud, Captain. Uh, I'm going to turn to LeCat and, and just say, you know, if you have a free time later, um, meet me in sick bay. I have something that might interest you. Uh, LeCat throws a look at Ola and, like, that was going to be her game plan right after this meeting, but she turns back to you and is like, okay. <laughs> LeCat being very expressive this morning just shoots a glance over to Olin this and turns back to you. Sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no filter. Functions as it's supposed to be. <laughs> okay. She turns back to the captain. Well, that can't be helped, I suppose. You are trying your hardest, I'm sure. A silence oh begins to fall over the table God. a little bit. Um, if you say that to her, Captain, she's... Is she allowed to work beta shift as well? Mm. Recreational astrometrics exist, albeit not on the bridge. Fair. Valid. We have an entire lab for that. Great! Jane's gotta be in three places at once, then the next <laughs> <laughs> Gonna make it work. Actually, I was a little upset about this interaction. <laughs> if, when everyone gets cheeky, everyone gets tired, and... Ah! Uh... <laughs> hmm. This is what happens when you have a goose for a captain. <laughs> okay. We don't know my machinations. <laughs> You'd have to ask, and I might even tell. The goose loose on the bridge, the goose on the bridge. Have you ever seen them in the same place at once? It's true, Sol was inclined to ask about uh, their newfound nemesis. Last Vryn, seen on deck 14, I believe. Vryn just pipes up and goes, I, I just don't want to see what happens if that goose ever gains access to the battle bridge. Wait, Commander Prawl. is that a concern? Commander Prawl leans forward and says, no, it's not a concern. The goose is a holographic malfunction that's been jumping from emitter to emitter across the decks. It hasn't harmed anyone, although it has scared a few of the civilian and engineering staff behaving as geese do by chasing them. But aside from that, it's an inconvenience, and I am assured, he glances over, the trill kind of looks right at you, Chief, and says, I am assured that it's not a security threat and that it will eventually be under control. Well, if the goose would stop taking my spanner, then I can get it under... I mean, we've got it under control. It's fine. It just gets more clever each time it pops up. As long as you don't suspect foul play. No, I don't. It's... <sighs> was that right? Did I say that? That one was correct. I know it's correct. It was just a horrible joke. No one laughed. Okay. I'll All investigate right. a, a further commendation. What? Hmm. Well, okay. then if there's nothing else, do things. Everyone begins to rise up from the table. 
Except for Olin. And Prawl. Oh, Prawl Jane Flinders. <laughs> um, Go! Uh, as everyone disperses from the room, uh, Vryn kind of laughing, going, <laughs> I don't know, why is that funny? Captain sounds mad. And then walks out the door with a couple of other people filtering out. Prawl says, Captain, uh, with permission, I'd like to speak to you. As would I. But I can uh, meet with you in my ready room in a moment, Ambassador. Yes, Captain. Actually, I would appreciate it if the commander were also there. Uh, Exia. Ah. Very well. Uh, then do collect her on your way. I'm sure this won't be but a moment. Yes, sir. Then I go and grab Exio and head to the ready room. If Exio is down. Mr. Paul? Super down. Very excited to download <laughs> all of the things she has learned. Um, Prawl just, he, he takes a breath for a moment and says, Captain, permission to speak freely. Granted. What are we doing here, Captain? Why are we sitting in this nebula? As I've said, if we are going to continue some of our work, we need to entirely evade this ship. And so, running through a nebula is the quickest way to lose it off of their long-range sensors. It won't work forever, but it'll work long enough. I don't mean any disrespect, Captain. I'm just not used to hiding from my enemies. Do you have some alternate recommendation, then? Chief seems to have a plan about detecting this thing. Yes. The sooner him and LeCat get that technology working, the sooner we can solve this problem. Yes, but that's a matter of detection at a time when I need to lose them entirely, and due to the astrography of those dual objectives, we evade and then we find the tools of detection. Aye, Captain. Do you have a plan for when we do find them, Commander? I need to see how Chief Tech's device works. Once I can learn the intricacies of essentially dropping a detection bomb in the middle of space, pinging outside the Ross, it's going to take some getting used to. Once the technology is acquired, I'd like to run some simulations. The sooner you can start mocking up contingencies, the sooner we'll be able to feel confident about our battle plan when it all too likely comes. I want every advantage possible before we confront, and frankly, I don't want to do some of the things that we do without being sure we're not being trailed. There's something that bothers me. Just one. I've been, I've been thinking about this for a while. I've been trying to get ready for this, Captain. 
The Ross is a big ship, but she's not a warship. She shouldn't be in this fight. We're an ambassador-class vessel. Technically. We're meant for exploration and establishing first contact. We don't have any business getting into a fight with a rogue Romulan warship. But if it's coming for us, I want to make sure that I can use everything the Ross has at her disposal to turn the tide. So I've been researching, looking at old battle records. And there's something that doesn't add up to me. What? Two things. The first was, he let us go without firing a shot. He could have killed you in that shuttlecraft if he was out there. Indeed. You were as vulnerable as you've ever been. Why didn't he take the shot? Why didn't he attack the Ross? The other thing that troubles me is the neutron radiation surges that we detect when he's around, supposedly. Yes. Captain, when Praetor Shinzon staged his coup and killed the Romulan Senate, he had at his disposal a one-of-a-kind ship called a Scimitar. And it, too, was capable of firing while cloaked. The difference was is that it was able to retain what they call a perfect cloak. So why would he need the technology to firewall cloaked using the same tech? The only other vessel that we have on record that's been able to do that was a Klingon bird of prey during the attack on the Enterprise in the Kittim Record signing. They were able to triangulate its location using a torpedo that could home in on neutron radiation surges. It just doesn't make sense to me. If this Admiral Mendak is as brilliant as he supposedly is, why would there be a neutron radiation search? It doesn't make sense. He would have access, presumably he would have access to Romulan cloaking technology that would function better. It just doesn't make sense to me. Some of it suggests possibilities. He didn't shoot at us because he wants Sorex more than he wants us dead. Why? That, that boggles my mind though, Captain. If you think about it, the Tal Shiar are willing to install a device in your brain that will kill you if you wander off the loyalty ring. Why would he be risking so much to save Sorex? It doesn't add up. And it tells, me, it tells me, Captain, that so long as Sorex is on board, he will not destroy the Ross. Why? Doesn't add up. There's something missing that we've overlooked. I can feel it. Either overlooked or has not yet been revealed to us. It's one of the reasons I look forward to further interviewing Mr. Sorex, but that is not yet an option. As regards your second question, yes, I have the same apprehension. 
about those surges. Frankly, we should never have gotten any of those half-second glimpses that you managed. It makes no sense unless it were Planned? deliberate. I had that thought too, Captain. So why? Why? I'm gonna roll for Prawl, because this conversation has got his gears turning, and he might actually be able to uncover now that he's been able to uh, may, may I, I spend one of those momentum? Yes, you may. Yes. Uh, may I cool. Yes. I'm setting the difficulty for this at five. Alright. I'm gonna spend the momentum. You can assist. Captain, mm -hmm. you can assist using your insight command. Lovely. And he is going to use his insight security. Oh, that's a six for me. Look at his focuses here. Uh... Nope. Nope. It's a s okay, six for me. I roll an 11, a seven, and a one. That's not five. a focus, you say. That's four successes from Prawl. Then five and a difficulty total. what? I'm sorry? Difficulty was five. Then we're set. Yeah. That's good, right? Yes, yes. you hit. I was you hit. just checking for momentum. Yeah. Um, Prawl, you see him chewing on this for a moment, and he says, decoys. He... What if this Admiral... This Tavaro-class ship... That's a warship that's heavily outclassed by the Ross. But being able to fire Romulan plasma torpedoes while cloaked... That's the advantage. Good equalizer. I don't think it would win them the fight, but it wouldn't hurt. It would if you could absolutely never find the Tavaro. And a way to guarantee that is to create decoys. Let us think that we can find him, and while we're busy shooting at ghosts, he blows us out of the stars. So... Tactically, how do you combat that, Mr. Prawl? Uh, how much momentum do you guys have? Uh, we have one. Let me spin that for Prawl and I'll give him the tactical yes. information. Okay. Good. So Prawl's question is, if these are real decoys, how would I counter them? Uh, Prawl thinks for a minute and says, If he's using decoys, it's because he knows the moment he, he knows that his one advantage is the cloak, and he's not betting everything on being able to remain hidden, which means he's brilliant, and he's creating a plan within a plan. So while we're pinging out in space trying to find him, we're shooting at his ghosts, and he's pelting us with plasma torpedoes. How do we counter that? We. Our advantage is, is that he, our advantage is that 
if it's true, our advantage is that he doesn't know we've figured it out. Which makes him vulnerable. So how do we detect him? If I could work with Chief Tech on this, I don't know what the Jashashian technology is capable of. But it's possible that if we change our priority, Captain, and stop looking for neutron radiation surges, we might have a better chance at finding him. We just need to know exactly what to look for. We have to smell him. If the Jashashian tech uses subspace, maybe there's something there. It's all theoretical. It's what we have right now. We'll need your best tactical doctrine for how to shoot at something we can't see, just in case it doesn't work. But for now, trying to figure out how to tactically engage them should be your priority. I do have one more suggestion. It makes no sense that we should know a superior stalking enemy is out there hunting down a ship that's not created for war. It's a wild suggestion, Captain, but maybe we could pull some strings and call in a favor with the Klingon Empire. I know I'd feel a lot better if there was a cloaked Klingon bird of prey getting our back. Compile all of the sensor records you have about this, all of the objective evidence. And we'll see with whom we can liaise on the Klingon side. I'll need your clearance, though, Captain. Some of this is shrouded in a lot of secrecy because of our Dominion mission. I'll need to know exactly what I can tell the Klingons. Well, collect them all together, and I can go through with a big black marker before we send them off. Aye, Captain. Thank you for the initiative. Thank you for listening, Captain. I'd be a fool not to listen to a very skilled officer. There's you have to meet with an ambassador. He, he, you see a slight jaw clinch, and then he says, I, Captain. (laughs) And he pivots on us (laughs) and um, leaves the room. I'll make, Uh, make my way to the ready room for my second meeting of the day then. So let me go ahead and say that because you had an NPC that spent momentum uh, mm-hmm. on your behalf, the information you just got from that exchange is valid. Just to just to yep. sort of like underline it, uh, Prawl using his skills and tactics and whatnot, uh, you have new information now on how you could possibly yeah. deal with this character. And new questions, because the one thing that hasn't been answered yet is why the hell Sorix is so important to Mindek. Um, 
Moments later, stepping into your ready room, you see Exio and Olin waiting for you. The door closing behind you, the three of you are alone. All right, now that I've heard all of the ways we might get shot out of space, please give me more good news. (laughs) First, I need to apologize. I'm afraid I was not entirely straightforward in the briefing room, and that is because I did not want everyone to know what was going on. The information I'm about to share with you is known only to Commander Exio and myself, and to Sorix, but I figured you should also know it. I don't exactly know the nature of what exactly is going on. I don't know if it's that my father is in danger or that my father is a traitor, but he is a target for Admiral Mendak in the Romulan Empire. Or actually, more accurately, the Tal Shiar. They want him for something. They're trying to recruit him, and I don't know why. May I make a roll, Eric? Uh, sure. What would you like to know? What is the roll for? I worked counterintelligence. I have a capacity to evaluate how the ambassador, an ambassador with his history might be an asset. That's gonna be, yes, you're gonna need to pull up his file on your uh, database, which Exio. May I assist since this is what I've been doing all night? (laughs) Oh, like you just slide the pad? Yeah, that I'd need to know, anticipating that I'd need to know this. I have built two full profiles, one on the uh, Romulan ambassador that we are going to meet, and Olin's father and the possible connections therein and where their paths have been crossing or not and the like. Um, Yes, who would like to roll for Ross? Oh, and just so that both of you know, my father's name is Dario Majanil. Thank you very much. That's D... A-R-O. It's, spe- it's pronounced D-A-H dash R-O-W. Um, who would like to roll for the Ross? I could roll for Ross if you want. Oh, okay. Aki, because it's your... Okay. Ross is going to be rolling uh, computers plus security. Okay. And Captain, you are going to be rolling... Actually, in truth, Exio would have lead on this role. And Captain, you would be assisting. Because this is research that you initiated and did anyway, Exio. And Captain is basically asking you to call it up. Even though that's not how the narrative chain of events just took place. But but Captain Sol, this is essentially you asking if you can get a profile on this person when a profile has been made. Do you know what I mean? So in order to determine the quality of that profile, we would retroactively roll to see how well Exio did pulling up that information. And then Captain Sol can assist through a narrative, like giving the order of wanting to find out more about what's going on. Does that make sense? Separate from the intelligence analysis that Sol would do when having that information. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, this, okay. This is, this is yeah, to pull yeah, up yeah. the information. Your personal analysis comes next. All right. So. Okay. So this um, is a role to see how well I did, and then and mm-hmm. then separately, Saul is going to right. put their expertise on that research. Correct. So in this case, would I cool. be assisting Exio? Since yeah, then this I... might be a more of an Olin and Not... I role if this is for the initial uh, research. 
for the information Olin gave over that Exio compiled as a dossier. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll let that. Yeah. In which cool. case, Sander, why don't you roll for the Ross? Um, Exio, this is going to be a reason command roll for you. And Ambassador, this is going to be, I'm sorry, uh, Exio, this will be a reason security role for you. And Ambassador, this is going to be a reason command role for you. And for the Ross, her computers and her security. So the, the difficult- I rolled a natural crit. I know, nice. Dad. The difficulty what? was three. Okay. Um, can so, I actually, for the remainder of this scene, can I um, call on a talent? What's the talent? Um, I'm going to call on my program cache to give myself sort of a, a specifically p more political um, knowledge, sort of like, because I'm, I'm sort of dipping into a sort of skill set that I don't normally have. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, great. Yeah, you load it. You basically load a data profile. So, I love this talent. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like a moment where Exio just says processing and stops for a second and kind of stares off in the space the way Data would do. <laughs> when... I see rainbow beat falls in her eyes. <laughs> With Gina's face, I don't oh. know if that was a good thing no, or a bad a thing. Bad. That's a bad. That's the that's the the face palm that has become infamous. That's, that's the bad. emo. That you can reroll for a minute. Reroll with an using an interpretation. You sorry, can do it. Sorry, sorry. What was that? What, what, what was going on? My brain just broke a little bit. <laughs> what, what are the numbers on the dice? Uh, two nineteens. So. Amazing. Um, I'm gonna re-roll. <laughs> do y'all have that any momentum left? We don't, but you can reroll no, with determination. I'm gonna do that because. Oh, okay, yes, because you haven't spent the determination yet. That's I have correct. not spent my determination. Hello, it's early in the game. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say either I, I'm gonna either throw out process over product. So, because this is not easy information, diplomats and no. and and the like are difficult beings to sort of track down and study, yes, or trust my expertise because gosh dang it, one, I'm gonna get that information. That one, that one with conjunction with your talent, that one makes the most sense. Okay, So correct. I would say use that one, yeah. Woo! <laughs> Two twenties. No. Did we turn the tide? It looks like we turned the tide. It, the, if <laughs> I could turn back tide. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's five. Three, three successes. All right, so five one from successes. Ross, so five successes Six total successes. off. Six, Six successes off, to, off of a difficulty of three, so gain three momentum. That felt gross. <laughs> so, Exio, Exio focuses for a moment, and you see her expression go blank, which is typically what happens when Exio's doing a data deep dive. And for a moment, the room is still when on the wall computer to your left, Captain, and on your display on your desk, you start seeing files pop up. And scrolling through, you see the file on Olin's father, Dario. Dario. Um, immediately, you see the profile also of the Romulan ambassador, but that's kind of like on a separate tab, pops up. 
But all this research basically pops up. You see the full run out of Daro's time as an ambassador for Delta. As a Delta ambassador, he has been serving with distinction. He is in the president's inner circle, has friends across the political spectrum, not only in the Federation, but the Klingon Empire, as well as some of the Andorian uh, government and the Vulcan government. He has had a distinctive career. About the last 20 pages worth of information on his uh, personnel file is classified and blocked out. That's about as far as I got last night, Captain. I don't think Olin was aware that their father was doing classified work. Well, there's no indication that he's doing classified work. There's just the last 20 pages have been classified. They Plenty are of reason blocked for work out. to be classified, Ambassador. Not all of it is suspicious. Well, I'm not exactly suspicious. I'm actually a lot more concerned that my father is potentially in danger, but I don't exactly understand what it is that he could be doing that would have gotten the Tal Shiar's attention. And so files... Background have... like this, he is an intrinsically valuable asset to the Tal Shiar. Any spy agency would be climbing all over themselves to get someone like him. The question is why they think he might be vulnerable to it. I mean, well, Captain, <laughs> I would like to respond, <laughs> but I'm going to ruminate here for a moment until there we are. Um, uh, pardon me, I was just studying the dossier. It's fine. <laughs> I was ruminating to myself. We were both in a... I can't say that... My parents and I are close. We have a good relationship with each other. But I have my career and they have theirs. And so we've sort of never really touched base on what the other was doing. And I guess for good reason, we can't always share the details of our work with each other. Though I did ask him about what was going on with... And apparently he got stonewalled. I recall, yes. And then following the incident on Starbase, he apparently pulled a lot of strings to keep me from being fired, which I definitely going to contact him about. Um, uh, just as a quick refresher, Captain Soul does not know specifically what you did on the Starbase. Nobody does. There's Except been Prawl, who allegedly Prawl? did, based on Prawl? that. Yes, Prawl that is night, the only... he, he mentioned it. So oh, I didn't Prawl, realize that they had not been notified. <laughs> no, nobody. Prawl was the only one because Prawl heard a rumor through uh, security at Starbase 105. Cool. Cool. Prawl gossip. I, I do believe, I will say canonly, I think Exio mentioned to you something about knowing something. Yeah. Um, I would imagine at least the commander. I, I don't think that Prawl would have gone without at least informing somebody in command of what happened, but I no. don't know. Prawl, Prawl, so Prawl wouldn't... diplomacy business. It's, it's really, yeah, Prawl would never, Prawl would not have 
have said anything, but this we is can, an instance in the narrative where you guys can decide if you know or not. I, I we can also chalk me up, up to me knowing as I'm the I'm the XO, so I tend to need to know gossip and things of like, but not necessarily very true. spreading that or ne or or knowing when that information isn't necessarily needing to go up any chains and just knowing, okay, that's something to know about and that's about it. The Exia, the XO is the captain's filter for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Perhaps less so on a ship uh, captained by an intelligence officer than on many ships. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, I'm happy to credit knowing or not knowing whatever we think has more story juice. Uh, that's also not something that we necessarily need to decide in this minute because I don't know that it like whether or not that's uh, directly well, relevant. It, it's to just saying that Owen says, and you can take it how you want to, and we can deal with it later. Exactly. So my question, if you'll forgive me, Ambassador, what points of leverage do you know that the Talshiar might have been able to use against your father? To be perfectly blunt, I don't know that any. I, I don't even know why they're looking into him. I can only guess that. I honestly, conjecture is not my strong suit. I, I don't know. I, I've barely been able to understand what's been going on for the last few days, ever since he even told me about it. And I desperately want to contact my father, but we're not in a position to do that. No, we are not, and that kind of message could be far too easily intercepted and show our hand, I'm afraid. We'll have to be encrypted to Vulcan back before it would be secure to send any kind of inquiries on it, especially with... Ambassador, could you somehow be that vulnerability? Family is a powerful lever. I... <laughs> I don't... I perhaps, maybe, perhaps that's... There's more to Sorix choosing me than we first suspected. There's nothing from your own career that could be used against your father. I had very brief encounters with the Romulan Empire some time ago, but not anything particularly um, meaningful. And I mean, I, I had interactions with Cardassia after the, after the Dominion War, and I, I don't know that is particularly relevant to them either. I honestly don't know what my value is to the Tal Shiar or why they would be after me. Hmm. I think I would like to make my role now. Okay. So specifically, you're trying to get a sort of like a you're going to skim the information that you have seen in front of you to get sort of an idea, like build sort of a, like a, almost like a like a profile in your head as to why they might target him. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, why either they think they can. Okay. Uh, because clearly from the bi biography, you can see the value of the target. That's self-evident. Uh, it's like 
but you know, there are plenty of high placed people you don't go think you can go after. Why do they think they can go after this one? Or how would I try to, if I were going um, to uh, try to get something over on him? I would say an insight command check. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me as well. And you're, I believe you have a focus that will kick in here too. I do. Yeah. Yes. So the uh, Would you mind me assisting by talking it through with you and giving you relevant information since I do have a, a focus or a talent actively going for only the remainder of this scene? Honestly, I, I very much hope you will. Yes. Honestly, I think the best way, yeah, I think narratively you can make an assist and just say that the dos, the like the information that you have dug up is essentially the assist. But I can also actively uh, be assisting in in sort of because they're asking specific questions about Olin's career. Um, I sort of oh, have I this see. mental image of like sitting back and thinking, and you pointing out things that might be relevant because the process of yeah. compiling a dossier gives you a, an editorial sense as yeah. well. Yes. It and is a Riker Picard moment where you two are bouncing yeah, ideas off each bouncing other. Bouncing off yeah. ideas because we I also have lots of information about Sorix and the possible timeline of when all of this might be happening and when because of when that memory was returned, the likelihood of when he was accessing that information before he came on our ship, like that sort of stuff that I can aid with. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Um so what was our difficulty? I'm gonna set the base difficulty at three. And then depending okay. on, on depending on the uh information asks, we can go from there. Okay. Yeah. What is my role? Am I also insight command? Since we're just sort of spitballing, is the narrative of this? I think so. Yes. I. I uh. No, I would say reason command. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm taking a die. So we are at two. Two. And uh. Will we have a roll for Ross out of this? No. Okay. Well, then we ought to do well, ought we not, Commander? <laughs> One success from Exio. And okay. uh, four from Sol, including a natural one, or in this case, a natural squid. <laughs> a natural squid. All right. Um, you and Exio bouncing ideas off each other. You have this kind of conversation out loud where you two are kind of breaking down the facts and trying to figure out what's available. There are some pretty obvious reasons why having an ambassador like this in your back pocket would be tremendously beneficial. The fact that he is in the inner circle of the president alone is enough to want to have this person in your back pocket. Where it's not adding up is from the personnel file all the way up to the classified section, you cannot for the life of you see specifically why they would be able to entice the ambassador. It's interesting it's either not in the record or it is in the part of the record that got a big black marker. Yes, it, it basically from what you are able to ascertain with the data available to you. There's no, th th there's a bunch of obvious reasons why this ambassador would be a great asset. There doesn't seem to be anything in particular that stands out, but also what would they be able to offer him? And why would they, why would, judging from this, this dossier and this, in this like psych profile that you and Exio have managed to assemble, 
There's nothing here that would indicate that the ambassador would ever betray the, the Federation. There doesn't seem to be any like sure, sure. secondary ties. There doesn't seem to be any information immediately available to you as you're looking through this. Since we have a psych profile uh, and that's granted by our role, uh, can you give me a sense of the man then? I'm sorry, who, of you? Who, who are you asking? Uh, me? yes. Because um, uh, one or the other of you know about him, so tell me about him since I have a psych profile in front of me. He's always been, as far as I know, incredibly loyal and devoted man. He and my mother love each other, always have. They've always taken very good care of me. They taught me more or less everything I know about diplomacy and then made sure I had all of the tools I needed to learn even more. He's... To what is he loyal? To Delta? To family? To the Federation? All of the above. But in what order? That I'm not sure of. I've never really bothered to ask. I would imagine his family first. I mean, when I was born, he and my mother went so far as to leave Delta so that I would be safe. Not immediately, but later in life when things started to get more difficult for me. Yes. But you can feel these things about him. Whether you know intellectually, this is an answer you know. I don't think there's anything he wouldn't do for my mother and I. I see. Master of Games. Mm hmm. The blacked out part. Mm hmm. Is this a flattened PDF, in effect? <laughs> um, in the computer database of the USS Ross, yeah. Could you possibly gain access to something else if you were, made, say, able to make a connection to Starfleet? Could right. you pull? Is there? If you're asking, is there a way I can get a non-blacked-out version? Yes, there is. It would require pulling strings. It would require contacting Starfleet. It would require basically pulling in some favors. But or being extraordinarily as, impolite, yes. Uh, yes, or possibly violating protocol to the point where your career could be endangered, yes. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yes, that is always, that is always a, a choice, yeah. Yes. But as the, as the database on the, as the computer database on the raw stands, this is right. what you have, yeah. That's exactly yeah. why I ask. Um, yeah, my... yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Uh, one other question vis-a-vis -vis the database of the Ross and its capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, in compiling this dossier, are there access to things like movement records? I mean, his his tour, his basically his service as the ambassador is all on file, yeah. It would probably be included in the dossier. I mean, when Exio basically built a psych profile, it included things like what's his favorite drink and where does he like to go on vacation? What so, were those things, by the way? What's his favorite drink and where does he like to go on vacation? 
I collect this information about uh, people. You can ask me about it later. I'm sure I can. I can find. <laughs> Sounds out good. Uh, please give that to me later, Ambassador. <laughs> I know their favorite snack. Like I, there's a thing. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, good news and bad news. Good news, I see no vulnerabilities here that someone might try to target. Bad news is same. I'd need the more thorough version of his records to try to guess why they might go after him. This looks as picture perfect and scrubbed as you could ask any Federation files to be, which if you were a diplomat being courted by the Tal Shiar, is exactly what I would expect. They don't do messy work. I could ask my mother. Or my commanding officer. No, no, no. If she would know what is in uh, these parts, the redacted ones? I mean, when I was younger, at least, they told each other everything I don't know about now. It might even be more telling if he hasn't been telling her what he's been doing. Olin, you said you contacted him, yes? Olin, remind me real quick, your mother, she was not also an ambassador, was she? She was. She was, right, okay. Family business. Yep. 100%. Right. The ambassador's all the way down. I asked because there is a protocol trying to... Sh if, if, always remember that when you're showing classified documents to people, who is seeing it is definitely on the table of of like possible consequences. Your mother, however, being an ambassador, uh, maybe maybe those consequences aren't quite as much to worry about. Yeah, but that's why I suggest be aware her. Of. That's why I suggested her. I was like, she's kind of a safe, kind of a safe avenue for this, probably. Yeah. Right, and, and there's and a honey, you how was your day? That yeah. she might have access to. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I, and like, to be honest, I, if I can keep this in the family, I would like to try. No, sure. exactly. And so uh, Sol did say, no, no, uh, your mother. Though, just incidentally, when you contacted your father recently and got a response, uh, which subspace beacon did it ping off of? Where was he? Master of Games? <laughs> yeah, the last time you contacted your father, he was actually on Earth. Where he often tends to be probably his office on Earth in San Francisco. I don't actually know the last time he was deployed to a specific location. He does a it's lot been of- It's been a long time. He does a lot of his work there, almost directly with the president most of the time. Which put him into close proximity to a Tal Shiar operative who had infiltrated Starfleet headquarters specifically, of course. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Which would have given Sorex uh, a lot of time to observe him. And me. 
All right. If you can communicate surreptitiously, I don't know what kind of capacity your family has for code and inside jokes. I don't presume on your personal life, but... I can tell you it's a lot easier when we're all in the same room. Well, can you do it the hard way? Ask for information from your mother without asking for information about this from your mother. I think I know exactly the person to talk to for help. Who? The only sibling I've ever had. All right, well, draft a message and we'll see what we can do about getting it out to a buoy as surreptitiously as possible. Again, because we are in hiding in the most beautiful puff cloud in the sector. I'll be frank and say, I really can't wait to no longer be in hiding. <laughs> I know the feeling. Thank you, All Captain. Right. And again, I'm sorry that I couldn't be more straightforward in the briefing. What? what is this reaction, Gina? <laughs> that that reaction is just like I can only imagine all three of us just feeling like the mood. But never say it out loud. <laughs> right. Um, but you don't yeah. owe the whole senior staff or family secrets. I don't, but I don't mind. I don't particularly like keeping things hid under a bushel if I have, if I can help it. So not being able to be open about things does not particularly sit well with me. And I already know that Lacat is incredibly angry with me, so I better go put that fire out soon. If you feel obligated. Oh, I never feel obligated. She has obligated. plenty on her plate, and I do my best to add to it. I just look to Exio in a sort of like, yeah, I vibe it. <laughs> uh, just as a quick reminder, and, and you can approach this however you want. There's no right or wrong here. But just as a quick reminder, the uh, cat does not have classified clearance. So no, however, um, however you want to approach that, you can do it however you like, including yeah. showing her the whole folder. But just letting you know. Um, that's I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure that out when, when in, in the moment, I think. Uh, depending on how this conversation goes. Go, uh, but, do, do you think? And she but has I, exactly the level of classified as uh, captain deems are necessary for specific purposes and on their head be it. I dropped the file on the floor. How was I supposed to know? <laughs> oh my gosh, I have this. I stuff. said it was okay. <laughs> Come at me later, admirals. Yeah. Okay. So. I excuse myself. I'm taking sorry. the data pad with you, exiting the room door closes behind you. It's Exio and the captain now in the quiet. And just a flash of light tracing across the nebula outside your window. Much to think about. What is your aim for the shift then, Commander? Well, now that the dossier is done, I suppose probably at least three more. Hmm. Yes, maybe on on his staff. 
We can find this sideways as well. Their records might leak something that will inform us. Bits yes, and I'm... bobs here and there. I think I think next, yes, staff and, and plugging in Sorex to the narrative. He had worked alongside Dr. Redgrace, and it seems not impossible that he had access to um, Daro's anything. Um, we have all the records from Sorex's old cover. Yes. Those are public because those were Federation. So we I'm can interested. track his movements, compare them against anything from the staff. Just try to find correlations, if anyone can. It's someone mm. capable of running an arbitrarily large data set. The thing that's interesting to me, though, is we're not entirely sure when Sorex started to default and 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 go to base instincts of protecting himself and the family he believed he had. So it would make sense that if he was working so closely and possibly the leak of monitoring um, the ambassador, why his instinct would be to go to Ambassador Olin, why that impulse might have been there. He might have already had information aside from being an easy target, as he said, and he actually corrected himself last last time we spoke as as he believed he he knew that they would help him and it could be from intense study and and they might not even know it but he he knew that they were a target he knew that Dora was a, a target but we don't it's not unheard of that possibly him being on board our ship with the ambassador is is even more information that the Talshiar could use. Like, like, the moment you said that, it sort of has been clicking for me, that it might be a huge asset if he was the connection to Dora to be on our ship with the Ambassador now. A huge, huge bargaining chip. Especially with family being possibly number one on that list, Captain. They have an agent on board with the ambassador. And I'm sure that they want him for some reason, as the image of his wife, whoever, Sila. But it's, I don't know what the connection is, but it's all incredibly Expansive, and I need it to shrink. Things are far too connected on this ship. I'm quickly finding, and uh, you'll see Sol is fiddling with your ring, as they say that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we pause right there because it's eight o'clock? So let's go take our ten-minute break. Let our brains decompress from the tangled webs that we weave. We'll be back in about 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Clear Skies, everybody. Uh, let's go ahead and jump back into tonight's game because we got a big one taking place right now. Lots of, lots of conjecture, lots of intrigue taking place, lots of trying to figure out what the hell is going on, lots of sitting in a nebula. So jumping back into our game, 
Who would like to take the first seat? Now, right now, I do know that Ambassador Olin Marjanil was about to head to speak to Lieutenant Lacat. Would it be like to pick it up there? In which case, where would we find Lieutenant Lacat? Because she should be at her duty station right now. Uh, oh, she should be? Okay, then. Uh, yeah, Alpha Shift has begun, so you'd be at your science station. Then she, oh wow, I hate saying this, but she's where she's supposed to be. <laughs> you hate saying that. That's a Starfleet officer talking Starfleet officer-y thing. Yeah. So. Just being a good kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I showed up for work. Yay. Um, I, I actually think that this conversation is an end of shift thing, so I'm happy to toss the ball to somebody else for now sure. and pick this up when our, sh our, our shift ends. In, in all honesty, unless there is an operation being done for the day, unless the Ross is leaving the nebula, unless something like that is happening, we can go ahead and do ship operations throughout the day and cut to after alpha shift ends. Unless anybody has anything specific they would like to do throughout the day that they want to go ahead and let me know about. Um, I will say that Wellix, now known as Sorex, does stop by sickbay, which is a scheduled stop with an escort. Um, he's only been in recovery outside of sickbay for about 17 hours now. So it's standard for him to come back and get checked up on again, running full scan. He's healing perfectly. His brain has achieved 100% uh, regrowth. At this point, he has a fully reconstructed Romulan brain. And Borg nanites coursing through his system. I'll also say that Tech is in the med bay as well for the checkup. Okay. Um, no, nothing unusual. Nanites, the nanites are behaving, pro they're kind of dormant at this point, but the damage that uh, after refining them and again, using Borg nanites medically is not necessarily new. Certainly rebuilding a Romulan brain is going to be written about in medical journals after this. Yes, I started um, my papers. <laughs> but um, because of some of the work, that the research that came back with uh, the USS Voyager once it re returned from its very long trip across the galaxy, uh, there's a lot of research available to us now and the use of Borg nanites to implement in medicine of this, this kind of caliber. Like, Doing what, what McCrell, you have kind of trailblazed a little bit here. Um, Borg nanites are known to regenerate tissue, but this is the first time um, a Romulan brain has ever, a Romulan brain has been reconstructed using Borg nanites. That being yes. said, that being brain said- It's also tissue, it's just, you know. It's, that being said, even though that the brain has been restored, the connectivities, everything seems to be completely like, it looks like it's functioning like a normal brain. He is still having, it, it's a brain that is having to redevelop on its own, meaning memory and whatnot is still has not, it, it is not accessible to him. Yeah. So, um, so he's still working on some cognitive functions. However, he is no longer degenerating and it's very clear. He's not confused. He seems very sharp when he walks in very aware of everything that's happening around him. He responds immediately when you ask him questions. He responds honestly. Um, but he does have sort of an air of, not in a negative way, but Sorex does seem to emit sort of like this energy of seeing the world for the first time kind of energy. Like it's been a while since he's felt like his old self. 
-hmm. And even though the memory patterns and whatnot have been damaged and there's aspects of his cognitive functions that are relearning how to work, this is the first time he's been improving in a long time. And it's having this sort of wide-eyed effect on him as he's looking around at the sick bay and asking questions that he's asked again in the past, but now retaining a lot of the information as he's hearing you respond and yeah. A lot uh, less paranoia as well. As we're doing some basic tests and everything, I do want to, um, as McCrell being a doctor who doesn't quite use um, the best type of methods <laughs> to get results, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, as we're like asking questions and, and, and going through the motions of everything, I'm just going to, you know, he's going to be answering things. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm going to grab an item uh, from my desk, uh, probably a statue souvenir that LaCat so graciously gave me. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just going to, um, like, you know, have my back turned to him and like, yes, yes. And then quickly turn around and throw it at him fast and check Whoa! his resources. Tech freaks out. <laughs> because he is a freaking assassin, like, like his reflexes and fighting skills are out of this world and all, all the things that he's done so far like when he freaked out and like attacked some of our our staff or when he attacked me and like ripped my shoulder out of socket has all been like a, a reflex like a, almost like a muscle reflex and i'm checking to see his um i'm checking to see i think that that i'm trying to like spark you're the doctor checking reflexes some yeah, people bang you. on the thank spot you. on the knee others chuck <laughs> Some do a meta. Orgons at Rhymeland Top Guards. I have a feeling Dr. Wellix, or, or I'm sorry, Sorax would approve of this. I think he, I think he would prefer uh, a non-traditional. <laughs> <laughs> based our standards of care on what Romulan secret agents would approve of. Do I need to roll for the throw? <laughs> no, he needs to roll to catch. Yeah. Going is not a problem. <laughs> Is he paying attention? Is he ready to catch it? Um, I yeah. am going to... <laughs> Take a momentum. <laughs> um, I knock my patient No, out. he is not a member of your crew. I'm yeah. not going to have him draw on, on your momentum pool. Instead, I am going to uh, spend threat to ah. increase the threat complication range of this by three. Because <laughs> right. I get to spend threat this game. Oh, great. I made a mistake. So, so a 17 or better. We'll see. Um, although, no, that's not true. That's not true. He, I think he, if you guys want him to be able to burn your momentum, I will accept that. We established last episode that yep. Sol can yep, yep, yep. part of So if you want him to burn it, I will totally, I will totally allow it. If you want yeah. him to burn your momentum. Okay. I don't, but I accept that McCrell does. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Captain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm rolling. Uh, let's see. I'll set the difficulty for this at two. Fair. It's a ranged attack, you know. Oh my god. <laughs> did I kill- did I kill him? <laughs> did I just cure his brain with Borg technology only to hit him in the head with a statue and kill him? Oh because my god. this is something that would happen, and I think I might need to be excommunicated from Starfleet. Excommunicated? <laughs> It's okay, um, I think it's only I worth just, like one challenge dive damage. I just want to say that we've been playing Star Trek Adventures a long time. 
Mm-hmm. And we've we played Shielded tomorrow, and we've we've now we're playing Clear Skies, and I now we're like out of oh. I have never rolled three complications before. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I can say definitively oh, that with three dice. I rolled right. two seventeens well, and a nineteen. Pure's <laughs> brain with four nanites immediately TBIs it with a <laughs> Well, you know, Dr. McCrell has Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. I did that was a very Lark Sage thing to do and now I'm regretting it. So you're gonna have to explain to Starfleet in command how this Romulan operative was cured with Borg nanites to be bludgeoned to death by a Horgon at high speeds. I say um, just a mild concussion. I mean, let's not get too <laughs> crazy here. <laughs> um, right. uh, can I burn a determination is, to have him reroll? <laughs> no, um, I'm going to keep this real simple. I'm going to roll a d6 right now. Oh, no. I rolled nothing. Oh. But to keep things moving, I am going to reward myself three threat and gain back. Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's two threat, so two four. Uh, yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you, <laughs> Dr. McCrell, you come stepping out of the office and the moment the Horgon leaves your claw, like the moment it slips past the fur in your hands and leaves your fingertips, mm-hmm. you realize just as it enters that precious moment of safety where you might've been able to stop it. This as was it, not idea. It parts your hands. Your eyes have already begun to widen because you notice he's not looking up. He's looking straight down mm. at what looks like this very nice civilian folded like t- tunic that he's wearing. A very TNG sort of like not very f- like fashionable tunic to uh, our modern eyes. But well, you know, a over. That, doesn't it? they always do. And he looks like he's looks like he's messing with what looks like a very charming wooden toggle kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing that kind of like folds in and clasps the tunic together. Mm-hmm. And there's this just this brief moment as the hor the, the horgon leaves your hand where you realize you just clobbered him with this thing. Whoopsie doo. <laughs> um, the horgon impacts on his chest, doesn't cause any, but it startles the crap out of him. Whoa! And Chief Tech, who immediately says, "Whoa!" And you see Sorex goes and looks down at this thing. And then he looks up at you with this look on his face. The minute everyone looks at me, I'm just gonna look behind me. (laughs) You glance behind you. (laughs) Hey, there have been Ferengi, there's rumors there was a Q on this ship at one point. Who the fuck knows where that came from? Like the nebula. The nebula must be confusing our gravitational levels in medical bay. I don't think no. no, I don't, no one believes me. I'm just gonna look at him and go, Hold on. you really I... hurt my shoulder. So, you're okay. Okay, he, just, he doesn't seem to know what this statue is as he's looking at it. That's good. We don't need to explain. <laughs> However, Chief Tech, you are aware that he's holding this fertility statue. Um, <laughs> and and glancing down at it, and he looks up, and you say, you hurt my shoulder. And he he says, are you expecting me to keep this? No. Um, I was... 
He I drops was... it on the floor unceremoniously. When you say no, he just holds it up and lets it drop. And it clatters to the floor, remains intact, but it rolls off to the side. And he uh, stares at you. I'm just going to have him sit back on the med, on the med medical Oh, he hasn't left it. He's sitting on the med bed. Oh, good. Med I'm med just going to be like, uh, let's check your reflexes with a scanner. <laughs> and I'm just going to do a normal scan. <laughs> he glances over at you, Chief Tech. You I'm... see those dark green eyes as he just slowly glances over and watches you as she scans him up and I'm down. Over just to grab the Horgon and just to take that. <laughs> okay. I, I um, just... As, as, as you pick up the Horgon, um, Xander, um, a Vulcan, uh, Sivath, one of the Ox crew, steps forward and says, Commander, I believe I, or Chief, I believe I, I could take that for you if you'd like. Oh, you want to you take it from me? Here you go. An eyebrow quirk as she takes it. Thank you. And no, what it means is back to the doctor's office, which you can see behind the glass wall, and she just places it on the doctor's desk <laughs> and then returns to her nursing duties. <laughs> I'm just going to, uh, as I'm scanning him, just be like, well, I was trying to find a fun and interesting way to check your reflexes, but it looks like your um, high, your eye-hand coordination is not what it used to be. <laughs> he stares at you for a long moment. Very well. And he continues to stare. His eyes just kind of burrow into you for a moment. I'm just gonna keep staring at him and um, quizzically look him in the eye and say, is that a challenge? Is what a challenge? I don't know. You seemed to be... Doctor, did I receive the brain surgery or did you? <laughs> Well, everything is normal. In your scan, you are free to <laughs> You, you hold the tricorder closed. You are to report back in 16 hours for another deep scan. And we can check your reflexes a more common way. Very well. He slides off the medical bed. He's trying to make it fun. Hold on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Okay. Interesting dice rolls tonight. Let's roll. He trips off the bed. Oh my god. Face plants into the wall. Um, Sorix hops off the medical bed. As you're starting to turn, Tech, since you're actually facing him, you see this happen in a blink. Uh-oh. But there's a... You, you can... You hear, you, you can hear the quick sound of something sliding pa past, past like the hard material. It all happens like super fast. But when you like 
by the time the whole motion is done, as you glance back, Sorex has pulled the phaser off the belt of the nearby ensign security officer. Whoa! And is holding it, handle first, facing you, mm. at your head. Me? No, at, at the oh. doctor's head. So the phaser's actually pointed at him. So he's holding it handle first, like mm. holding it out like that. Oh, I see, I Still see. Still causes the other security officer to immediately, eyes wide, reaches down and grabs out his phaser. And he holds it there for a moment before okay. it's snatched out of his hands and his arms are placed behind his back as security kind of stiffens him up. You see him wince a little bit as he's getting a little bit of physical activity that he's not ready for in post-op. and. But he doesn't complain. He doesn't seem to maneuver back to it. But he kind of grins at you a little bit. And without another word, one of the instants says, you've made your point. Let's go. Go. And they start escorting him out of the sick bay. Excellent. Without another word. You do hear him grunt a little bit as they push him out the door. They're not, like, manhandling him or anything, but they're keeping him moving. I'm going to um, request, request to the captain um, to allow... Sorax um, supervised, of course, supervised uh, access to the hollow deck. Okay. In the future, because if he really wants to, t if I really want to test his reflexes in that certain of uh, pertaining to what he was trying to do, I'd like security to not interrupt. Okay. You I think request. when I get the nurses after shift report. I will also require remedial baseball from my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shift comes to an end. Everyone starts heading back to their quarters, 10 forward, um, moving about the ship, going, you know, ox crew starting to wind down. You can start to feel Exio that the crew is getting a little stir crazy. It's not just that they're in this nebula. It's that a lot of them are aware they're in this nebula because they're hiding from somebody outside the nebula. Not all the crew knows exactly what's going on, but it's enough that the Ox crew has begun to talk. There's a lot of like, the scuttlebutt is, is that there's some super secret Romulan weapon and the captain's being super clever about evading it. And that has led to a lot of conversation about how long are we gonna be in the nebula? Like, I don't know, like, there's a lot of um, cabin fever if you can imagine on a starship sitting inside this nebula. Uh, quick clarification. Are we still in the like, quote unquote, sort of calm section? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Vryn has kept are, you all there. Are, are we literally at a standstill? No, Vryn has basically okay. charted a course. So the Ross is kind of doing a, kind of doing like a slow circle inside. Oh there's no. Enough, there's a, yeah. I mean, the other uh, the alternative is to continue wandering deeper and deeper into the nebula. No, of course. I just mean so. that, that that is that is Exio just sort of thinking like, oh no, we're li we're literally making this crew like walk around in circles. Yes. With no <laughs> new like tasks other than to. The good news is it's a bump. It's not bump. It's bump free. Is the good yeah. news. <laughs> Does this contextualize sure. searching for nebula life forms? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> oh man. I, that I get it. That the oh no is 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 getting the captain joke now. Like, <laughs> shoot. Okay. <laughs> um, gotta take the edge off. Okay. Lots of people gathering in Tin Ford this evening. Um, can I? Oh, dang it. 
Um, Consider it dinged. There. All right. It feels inappropriate to look for another holiday because. <laughs> I mean. I've told you there's always setting fires. I know. What is the actual status on the goose? Is there an actual goose? There is like, an actual goose, yes. There is an actual goose. Okay. Goose it, it, is, like, it is a holographic that? goose, but there is an actual glitchy so holographic this is goose. My, this is my shenanigan for the night. Um, I'm going to organize a uh, a volunteer-based, when shift is when your shift is up, you can volunteer your free time for the search party to locate this goose. It has come up in several senior staff meetings now and that is not okay and i need to like if everyone can just gather around a task that definitely helps the crew helps my senior staff helps my captain keeps them occupied they can run in circles on the ship instead of thinking about how they're running in circles in, in okay. space right so i'm gonna i'm gonna be posting up in the pavilion like a big sort of Help wanted volunteer search party for this. A goose wanted poster. A, a goose chase po wanted poster, sort of. Um, and that will be for later today. That is my activity for the day. Gosh, and we demand fan art. <laughs> we demand fan art of the wanted poster of the goose. Okay. Everything's complicated. I keep it ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah, you uh, you go to work. <laughs> um, what is everyone else doing while this is taking place? Because um, right now, if there's nothing else, we've got. Well, I know really cat just like as flavoring. I know that she has issued all the ensigns to find those nebula life forms. And if anyone walks by, you'll hear her over her comms basically say, that's 50 points if you can find a life form. So she has basically issued as well. Fox um, crew is yeah. kind of hip to what's going on. So you just, you get kind of like murmurs of, okay. <laughs> well, but, I don't know. I think some people take those points very seriously. Like Kat takes those points very seriously. Yeah. Uh, it also is maybe how she assigns who gets what like task. Like, oh, you want to work on the project that's about haunted time in Wales? Well, <laughs> 150 points. You can't. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, um, where is where yeah. is uh, Lacat? Is where does she go after duty hours and everything settled? Does she go back to her quarters somewhere. No, else? I think she goes to Arboretum. Arboretum. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so she's on her comm while doing this, and I think this is also how she is. This is where she like is calm. And uh, she needs that after a day of being very focusedly pissed at uh, her sibling. So uh, that's right. You better look away. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she's trying to calm down. She's uh, working on her fantasy league, and um, okay, she's at right now. 
The Arboretum on the USS Ross is a bastion of botanical beauty. If the if the promenade is a social area that is enhanced by plant life, this is a par- a place of plant life that is enhanced by the socialization that happens around it. It this place is multi-tiered, th- like two decks basically. Uh, going up with a large opening, it does also have a wall of windows that looks out into space that can shutter as well. Um, this is particularly useful when you guys are orbiting stars and some of the plant life here is can be subjected to uh, filtered solar rays through some of the lights, lightings. But this, this Arboretum itself, using the same holographic technology that the promenade likes to use as well, has enhanced effects added to it specifically wildlife um coming into the arboretum it's not unusual to see what would be basically a holographic hummingbird zipping around in between the leaves and the plants adding an air of real nature there's this place is large enough that you can do a full circuit around like a walk and it almost mirrors what it would be like to walk across like real woods, except for the areas that are designated throughout the Arboretum hold plant life from across the sectors of Starfleet, all across the Alpha and Beta quadrants. Plant life here is being subjected to some of the most incredible manipulation of environmental technologies to allow them to be able to sustain and grow. Um, This is a very calming place. And then it's not unusual to see the occasional bee or other like non-terrestrial insect or uh, avian flying through here, giving that much more atmosphere to the place. You do see a couple of people who have exited their duty shift walking by, but for the most part, the Arboretum, when, when it comes to the Ox crew and indeed anybody coming to the Arboretum, many people treat this place much like we might treat the library. People just instinctively are quiet as they move through the Arboretum. You do see some of the science staff other botanists like yourself moving through, caring for the plants and running scans. Uh, a few of them are using uh, some of the technologies that you remembered using back at Starfleet Command right before you were thinking about quitting. You see a couple of the scanners that just kind of ring back memories immediately as you're watching them move by, remembering what it was like when a six-foot Orion came stomping into the room where you were at along with Commander Rogan and recruited you to join the USS Ross. Um, Very little of these memories flashing back are doing much to belay the irritation that you feel. Yeah, I mean, that's what Jane's gonna do. If you wanna come talk to, um, if if Olin wants to come find her, that's where they'd find her. Uh, when Olin gets off their duty shift, they first go to their room to collect patients. Um, Who will love probably... the Arboretum. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, uh, computer, location of Lieutenant Lacat. Lieutenant Lacat is on deck 11 in the Arbor- Arboretum. All right, patients. Want to go smell some flowers? Uh, and they'll head to the uh, turbo lift and head down. Right as you reach the doors to the Arboretum, the lights of the USS Ross dim slightly as Beta Shift has begun. The doors, as they slide open, you see a few crew members walking out, nodding to you, um, familiar faces. And on a ship 
with a crew this big, it's a lot like it was back in high school where you keep seeing the same faces over and over or college where you keep seeing the same faces and over and over. You don't necessarily ever get to meet these people, but they're familiar. You kind of nod. <laughs> um, moving into the Arboretum, again, it's multi-tiered. It's a big, beautiful, it's like a park taking up um, this space on the USS Ross. And the, the holographic projectors in here are running at full speed right now. Making this place look like a small nature preserve in the middle of a starship. Not all of the plants are holographic though. Most of them are real, correct? None of the plants in this place are holographic. All of them are 100% real. Okay, it's just the animals and stuff that are. Just the animals, right. Um, and the life, I, imagine. I imagine there is at least something of an ecosystem in here just to maintain the plants, like some bugs and stuff like that. The, the plants themselves are ecosystem, but this is such a controlled space and it is being used also as a research platform for the botany lab here on the USS Ross. So there's no, everything, it's, it's a controlled lab-like space. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, do, uh, Olin's going to head in the direction of what they know to be Lacat's like favorite things to study. That would be the small pond towards the very back of the arboretum, where they have a holographic projection of a dragon turtle in a pond. Um, that is constantly sort of like, what is a dragon turtle? Please describe this to me. Is it the a dragon, dragon turtle? It's nicknamed the dragon turtle. It looks like an Earth snapping turtle, like an, it looks like a North American snapping turtle, which. Those things look really vicious. And indeed, this turtle very much resembles as something almost out of like prehistoric era Earth. However, it is not native to Earth. This particular dragon turtle is actually um, from one of the other worlds that have been colonized by uh, Andorians in the Federation. It was not native uh, to Andoria. This, is, this, this particular species of turtle was found on a planet that was colonized. Um, yeah, actually, so if you walk up to Lacat, uh, I think that she's... The, the turtle there is there as company, I guess, but she this, is looking at the point. Yeah, this like prehistoric savage looking head just popping up out of the water with its mouth open and these clawed like webbed feet off to the side. The interesting thing about its about the shell of this turtle itself is it does not necessarily look like a shell. It actually more closely resembles is it almost looks like rock grew out of this of this turtle's back. So it resembles like a sharp series of boulders. Oh, kind of like, yeah, kind of like this. It, it looks like for us as a reference point, it looks like something that was probably made it in the Jim Henson creature shop. It's just like big sharp rocks just coming off the back with this turtle head just sticking up out of the water. And it's occasionally doing this number. Anyway, its name is Bartholomew. Okay, its name is Bartholomew. <laughs> uh, Barty. Barty. Uh, and uh, Barty is keeping me company right now. Uh, but Jane is, Jane is mostly focused on the plants, honestly. Um, uh, I think that, okay, so she sees you approaching and how's patience doing in this environment out of curiosity um are is patients like distracted by the creatures because there's so many or i'm assuming she's doing just fine patience yeah, I mean, is, doing patience what, is very well trained yeah patience is pretty much trotting by ambassador's side while looking up at the ambassador love it because here's what you feel jane feel um so uh 
she like just baseline is like you have that brewing like anger and confusion and then she sees you and there's a spike of relief and that's important because it only lasts a millisecond because the second <laughs> you're here uh, that melts away and it's just irritation it's like i have seen you i have like uh, forgiven you because you were here and now I have moved on to the I'm and back to being angry at you phase. And so you approach um, and Jane looks at you and then looks at Patience and talks to Patience. Um, hey Patience, let's do your work today. How's that? What? Oh yeah, you missed work too? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why you weren't there, but we had a crazy day. Absolutely. Do you want to come look at the snapping turtle with me? I don't know why you weren't at work either, actually, if that's what you're asking me right now. What's Patience's face look like as I talk to her? You tell me, Aki. I mean, Sam is a pretty decent example of what Patience looks like. <laughs> but there's probably like the, the fun little head, head cock that dogs do when they're not quite sure oh my god on. oh my god they're talking to me but this also, is the best day of my life <laughs> like that's just that something's, knowing something's about to happen they're talking to me something is about to happen something amazing is about to happen uh, really eye locked because uh border yeah. calling and they have that really uncanny like they mostly heard by mean mugging right 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 they don't heard by biting they heard with the Uncanny stare. Just looking at each other right now, and Jane's like, "Yeah, I don't know why you weren't at work either, but I'll tell you something. I was really concerned when I didn't see you there. But you know what? No one really told me what was happening. Did anyone tell you what was happening? No one told me what was happening. So all yeah, right, that's right. how I you've, you've proven your point, Jane. <laughs> Have I? And then she like sighs, and like yeah. You know she has. It wasn't a good idea for her to be there. I wasn't in a fit state for patients to be pacing the floor and driving everyone up the wall. What happened? Why would patients be going up the wall? Patients only goes up the wall if you're going up the wall. And I just hand the cat the uh, file. The, the file. Okay. With yes. my <laughs> is so happy right now. All right, I was gonna do a whole thing. I was gonna do a whole talking bit with the turtle as well, but we don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, a pause in trouble. Oh my god, they say that, and Jane just. Ooh, ooh, I think. The, the irritation, the relief, and everything floods away, and you get, like, the smallest bit of fear. Um, and I... Expedite this, you scan through, and you get a basic idea of what you're holding. It seems to be a, a profiling dossier on Olin's family, specifically their father. Um, so, obviously, Jane hones in on the redacted section. Yeah. And she, um, she I need to find out what this Maybe we shouldn't be talking about this here. I agree. Ready to move on when you are. Um, Jane looks down at Bartholomew, uh, gives him a nod, and 
says, let's go. Bartholomew says, yeah, I'll see you next time, Jane. Hey! Good night. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, <laughs> um, uh, That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Lights up a cigarette as y'all walk out. Clocks out for the day. Um, um, is that with your quarters or my quarters? Um, either one is fine. I, I don't think that Olin specifically has a preference at this point. Uh, then let's go to uh, Jane's quarters so that patients in Orwell can hang out. Sounds okay. Good. So you leave the serene area of where you were, leaving the dragon turtle behind. Um, it'll be there for you next time. You guys wander off deck 11, leaving the Arboretum. As you move into the turbo lift, you head back to the quarters. You, of course, are seeing a lot of beta shift being more and more active while people are leaving to settle in for the night after alpha shift. You reach your quarters. Doors open as both of y'all step in. Uh, what does Orwell do? Oh, Orwell does not care about his mother in this moment and goes straight for his friend. Okay. Um, and is there to greet patients immediately. Yeah, if like, like patients, patients, the moment they know what uh, she knows which direction they're heading, like she's she's barely keeping at heel. Like she's definitely like, oh, I'm going to get to see Orwell. I'm going to see Orwell. There's ex that definite excitement um, with, for, with patients. If you've ever seen ferrets and dogs interact, it's hilarious because ferrets are pure, like, I don't give a damn about my own safety. I'm so happy. I'm throwing myself at you 100%. And dogs don't know how to, dogs don't know how to comprehend snake dog. They don't get, they don't get, why is this dog so tiny and long? Why does it look like a squirrel, which I want to chase, but also it's kind of not scared of me. What's going on? Um, there's, there's this confusion that always sets in when they start to play as as inevitably the moment you walk in and the two animals bound for each other it starts off the way it always does with patience assuming that she's going to have the upper hand and immediately losing it and then not wanting to play anymore and then the two of them rush off into the next room where you hear yipping as play begins in earnest Aww. I love that uh, but Jane uh, usually Jane would be charmed by this uh, today she's 100% focused on this okay. Um, okay. and I think that she is looking at this redacted section and the second the door closes, the second they're out of earshot of anyone um, she turns to Olin and says why is this redacted? I don't know I, I honestly don't I, I've not really been keeping up with what my father has been doing for the last however long that section covers. Because, but yeah. I, Jean doesn't know about the threat on your father right now. Right? No. Yeah. Olin's about to explain it, though. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, I think there's more to... I honestly thought I was out of the woods on this. I mean, I hadn't had any contact with Sorix or or with any of that since he got on board. So I honestly thought my part in this story was done. And then he tells me that apparently my father is of interest to the Tal Shiar. Uh huh. Did he specifically say your father was a target? Yes. 
And obviously we can't send him a message because that would be raising flags. I was thinking about sending one to my mother. Yeah. Mom might have the answers, but I have to figure out a way to ask her surreptitiously so that it doesn't raise any suspicion. And I don't know anyone. One more time. Do you think you could be the target? I mean, you were left alive. Sorax did come after Wellex, Dr. Wellex, if you corrects herself. Dr. Wellex did come after you. Uh, and you're still alive. But maybe you were only a means to an end to get to your father. I don't know. Um, I don't know, and I hate that. Um, Jane paces. Uh, Jane, can I use my talent like uh, uh, suspicious by nature to see if there are so like on a meta level to see if there are traps within this dossier? Traps? <laughs> yeah, I, I like uh, my my talent is suspicious by nature, and uh, let me read it. My preview just uh, uh, crapped out on me. Damn it! But it's basically the talent where I can. Um, uh, uh, I can re-roll a dice, I think, if I'm looking at, for, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, like, if I'm looking for suspicious characters, uh, here we go, let me read it. Uh, it is suspicious by nature, when attempting to detect hidden enemies, traps, or forms of danger, the character may re-roll a dice. I want to try and, like, see if I can also gain any extra insight because I know this man. Um, but, and I would love to use Suspicious by Nature if possible, but I, I we don't have to do that. If, if it's not applicable, I'll just roll. I don't think that's quite applicable here. Yeah, I'm totally fine. That was me pulling but, Yeah. I, I definitely see this, see this appealing to your Cardassian-like nature. Cool. Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's applicable on this one. Yeah, that's totally fine. Do you want to um, make a roll? Yeah, I'll still want to make a roll. Let's see what we can get from that, and we'll go from there. Okay. It's um, just, nothing's quite adding up. He's always, yeah, he's always just been a very exemplary diplomat. I don't exactly know why the Kalshar would want him, aside from the fact that he is a very well-connected diplomat. Right. It's too much of a coincidence, which makes me think that it's actually you that they're going for. Um, one second. I'm just pulling this up. Why me, though? <laughs> oh, man. This is, like, the worst pep talk Jane's about to give, but basically imagine you asking your best friend, like, why would anybody like me and your best friend being like, let me tell you. So Jane's about to tell you why you're worth being kidnapped. Great. <laughs> why you're being targeted. Sure. Because you're phenomenal, stunning, amazing, inspirational. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so tell me next, why am I worth kidnapping? <laughs> Beautiful, wonderful, amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just... okay, what am I rolling, my friend? Yeah, so... I'm, I'm actually, uh, Rave, I don't see that I have Jane's character sheet. Oh yeah, um, so, let me see if I can send, do you want me to like take a screenshot and send it to you? Uh, yeah, would you? Would you mind posting that to me? Yeah. So I can just I can take a look at right her now. sheet real quick. Yeah, I got you. Um, let's make this super small. We'll need to have one of those, okay. Also helping, hoping you'd help me with is crafting a letter. 
that doesn't give me away too badly because it's not exactly my expertise um, and uh, I don't want to blow it on this one by saying the wrong I thing. think asking I, I understand and of course of course I will I you talked about this at all with Dr. Wellix I mean what has the captain said Jane remembers chain of command I didn't ask to speak further with Sorix. I'm not entirely sure I want to. Okay. I probably should, but I also have no way of knowing if he's telling me the truth or not. He even said he wasn't sure he was telling me the truth. I mean, I think there's a lot to be learned from the way a person lies as well. Uh, Jane, I think I'm going to have you roll reason plus security on this one. I'll allow it. And I'm going to set the difficulty for this at four. Oh I, my yes. god. Can I'm, I, um, do I'm, I am not going to allow an assist on this one. Yeah, we have it's, we have momentum, Rave. Take a take a day. Yeah. This okay. is literally Jane kind of having a quiet moment to herself and really digging deep into her instinct as to what's going on here. Ooh, okay. Could I use survival? <laughs> You could not use survival, sensors, xenobiology, astrophysics, anthropology, and deep space tactics. None of those will apply. Dang. Then I um, only got... Oh, man, my friends. Oh, man, oh, man. Um, you can burn a value to re-roll. Oh, yeah. Well, let me see if I can do that. Um, uh... I'm looking at the values here, and I don't yeah. really see how you'd apply one. Yeah, fair. fair, this, fair, doesn't, fair. this doesn't look, yeah. This, yeah might, that's, this, that's fair. this might be a situation where it is just a straight momentum spin for dice and hope for the best kind of roll. Yeah, can I? Because I have, so right now I have three successes. So if I can re-roll one of those dice, I mean, that's me asking for a one, right? So it's not really gonna. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, okay. You look at this dossier, and what you get from what you're looking at, Jane, is that this dossier tells you nothing. Yeah. It tells you a lot of obvious stuff like why this ambassador would be valuable to the Romulans, but there's nothing on here that would indicate why would you choose this ambassador then? Like, why not choose... There's He's not the only ambassador that has links to the president of the Federation. Like, there's there might be even a better asset to have picked from. Why this one? There's really nothing on here that stands out to you as uh, like a good... like a flag. Can I ask you three questions? about this dossier that like anyone looking at it should be able to know. Sure. Um, so the blacked out text, is, is it the last thing on the dossier? 
Yes, it's the last, essentially the last 20 pages of the dossier. What, is the, what are the two things right before that? And what are their dates, essentially? I like, mean, what is what periods between those two things? Um, it would seem that the ambassador was stationed on Earth and had been for some time. Mm-hmm. And that the ambassador was taking a keen interest in the relationship between uh, the Federation and its allies post Dominion War. Okay. And then it abruptly ends there. That date would have been a little over two, maybe two and a half years ago. Do you know who he was working with at that time? No, he didn't make any particular mention of what his assignments were. I assumed he was doing what all the rest of us were doing, trying to put this Federation back together. Uh, question for uh, Aki that Jane would know. Um, was your father a polite person? So would he send people gifts on a holiday? Uh, my father was a joyous, lovely person who would definitely have sent uh, people gifts on holiday. Great. Um, so Jane is going to turn to you and say, I think we should write that letter to your mother. Okay. Um, and I think that we should try and see what your father was up to exactly two years ago, see who he was in touch with. And I think that there are ways to do that without seeming suspicious. But Jane, I'd, I'd like to roll to like basically draft this letter to like for like cryptography, like I guess, is for Jane mm-hmm. to embed a, a message, help, help. Uh, um, I, I think yeah. I, for the for the purposes is for the purposes of mystery, it's yeah. important to tell you that there's no further hidden information that you can gain from dissecting. I know you're talking about the letter, but what I'm telling mm-hmm. you is is that beyond the information that has been given. There's no further information you're going to be able to glean from this dossier um, that isn't behind the redacted portion of the dossier. You can definitely um, ask the mother, and yeah. then you can start putting things together. But mm-hmm. just just for like just because uh, it's so much more efficient, especially in RPGs, to run a mystery is where it's like looking for the clues and missing the clues isn't going to make or break the game. Instead, I can tell you that all of you have gained all of the clues that you can possibly gain with the information that you have at the moment. And composing this letter and is just going to be a... A, just a, a bit for the next clue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that I have... Accept- so here's my intent with the letter. I mean, sure. as a player talking to the GM. Um, yeah. I, I have... Like, Jane's accepted that she's going to get no more from this dossier. She's almost put the dossier aside. But she also thinks that her... Um, that her only shot at figuring out what happened to Darrow is through the mother at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, because the dossier is just like full on dead end. So it's about going through the mother to figure out who the father was working with exactly two years ago and accept, like trying to figure out essentially where did the father go from there. To the, dossier, see, the, yeah. the dossier will tell you who he was working with two years ago. He was, oh, spe- he, he was specifically working with the Federation uh, Council on re on reconstruction efforts throughout the quadrant and was involved with a lot of the supply management and negotiations happening across the border in order to help relieve the suffering of the Cardassian union what was left of it 
cool. Um, cool. Uh, I, I, I turn, Jane turns to Olin and basically is like, I assume though you'd want to check with your mother first before going to any of these council members. Of course. Yeah, you may not even have access to the Federation Council. That's right up there with the president, and those are the ones that pretty much make all the decisions for the galactic governments, yeah. I think we will cross that. Jane's mentality is we will cross that bridge when we get to it. We um, have transporters. What do you mean I have no contact with the council? <laughs> like, if that's the person we need to get to in order to okay. save Daryl right now, Jane will freaking burn down the city because that's how much she cares about Darrow. Um, okay. but she right now is like, okay, let's let's check with your mother first. So um yeah, she's she's all in. Okay. So essentially I think what we're going to do then is um Hmm. I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this letter. I'm I i do not know that I mentally have like an actual idea of what the letter would be. Uh mm -hmm. But I, I think that what it, it, it essentially contains is, uh, oh, you have an idea? I do. Go for um, it. I'll take them so because I, I want to know the content of the idea because I'm going to tell you how Jane's going to hide it in the letter. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, Jane, like just as a, uh, just as a general check-in because like Darrow and Sala, what was her name? Salar. Salar, there you go. Um, Salar, we're like so kind to Jane, just like over the course of her life. Like every once a month, like send like a general update, like, hey, we're still doing fine, we're still alive, doing great. Um, and that was just her relationship between them. Uh, sometimes they wrote back, sometimes they didn't. But the way she'd like to hide it is that she would like to basically copy the exact format of the, all the letters she sent, but like, Met, had a bunch of inconsistencies in it. Um, uh, so okay. I remember that time when this happened and then like quote something entirely different and that's how she would like to hide the information within this letter. So what are the actual contents of the letter? Um, I think that would be like, maybe we went on like a, a family vacation at some point uh, to uh, to some, some, some planet and like you're getting all of the names of the people that we met wrong and everything that we ate is messed up like the places that we went not quite the places we were like that we actually went and like uh the times of the of our transports and stuff like that are all messed up so it's like this weird sort of cipher gets kind of embedded into the message so as, as um well. does olin want so olin straight up just wants to ask their mother if they know anything about the situation right like why would dad be targeted correct i think it's more like who who has he been working with recently uh yeah. what information do you have about what he's been doing in the last couple of years uh because asking asking directly whether or not i because like my my father might not know why he's being targeted or that yeah. he's being targeted at all it's more just like what's he been up to what what yeah. y'all been doing i mean this is a how are you but no really how are how you, are you? yeah yeah okay enough to uh, uh, like there's not so many inconsistencies that it's ridiculous but there are enough that would definitely make my mom just go what uh and maybe get back at us pretty quickly so if you're going to transmit this from the nebula it's going to be 
scrambled a little bit. It's, I mean, you you guys can give and receive data while you're in the nebula, but it is not a clean transmission. You guys have been getting a lot of, you know, the daily updates from Starfleet and of course your position and whatnot. That all is being, you know, standard procedure, but it's it's really spotty in and out of the nebula. Um, yeah. If you are planning on using like an emergency beacon and launching it outside the nebula, um, that is something you can certainly do. Um, in which case, once it exits the perimeter of the nebula, it will be able to transmit. I can clarify as a matter of security that we are absolutely doing the latter because they could figure infer location based mm -hmm. on our own transmissions. And since the whole point of this is to basically run a secant through this nebula uh, to evade our initial positions before we go to super warp, and uh, lose them. Yeah, we are definitely going to launch a buoy on out with a with your message. So just so I just so I understand completely, is the intention to reach the other side and exit the nebula, or are you? No, again, it's a it's just a secant uh, crossing through uh, what would be a reasonable distance. The idea here being uh, that we want to get enough distance where they might not see us, where we can actually open up the lead a bit more to zoom out. And then at the end of our maximum warp and at the end of their long range sensors, then change course to wherever we ultimately do want to go. Uh, but basically the idea here is cutting through a little bit so that our initial course will have lost them when we go to warp, rather than okay. the stern chase we were on before. Okay. Then instead, okay, now that I understand that that's the course of action, it, we can easily say that the Ross spends the next few days doing just as you've described until it finally emerges into a small pocket where it can exit the nebula and jump to warp. So as to not spend actual game time uh, I'm, I'm, I didn't, I, I misunderstood. I thought you were hanging, I thought you were basically laying low in the woods and waiting until the wolf got tired and walked away. And then you were gonna jump out and jump to warp, so. Yeah, now um, we're, we're uh, putting brush over our trail before I see. we run real fast. Okay, that wasn't clear to me. Okay, so what we'll do then is, it's an easy enough thing to send that probe uh, out to the outskirts of the nebula and then have it transmit. It launches without a problem. A couple of other messages also included into the probe as it, uh, anything that's in particular of, of particular interest or, or, or that needs to get out right away. Nothing high priority or security risk. It would be things like uh, happy birthday <laughs> and whatnot being sent back home. Messages that look rather like things are casual and nothing is up, that sort of thing essentially attached to the, the probe message is to hide the rather random message from the ambassador who's transmitting all these questions. So Ox Crew basically sends their mail along with you. Four days passing through the outskirts of this nebula, almost a week, almost a full like work weekend, the USS Ross begins to emerge finally from, what's up, Bonnie? Right before we, we uh, Right before we get out of the nebula real fast, I want to give something to the cat. Before you exit the nebula? Mm -hmm. Really fast. 
Sure. What What do you get? Like a thirty second scene. I'm going to bring her a little uh, tube and be like, uh, Lieutenant Lacat. I was ha- working with a sample of bacteria, and one seemed to mutate. Uh, it's completely harmless, but I believe this could be considered a new life form inside the nebula. If you want to give it to the captain, and I'm gonna hand it, uh, gift it to her, uh, so she discovered a new life form. It's a stupid little piece of mutated bacteria, but no. Jane looks at you and goes 150 points to Dr. McCrell. <laughs> and Congratulations, is- McCrell. You yeah. now get to work with LaCat on discovering the secret of space whales. Yeah. Just, and like, I'm like, you have 30 minutes till we get out of the nebula, so you might want to run to the captain. But mission. Uh, um, yeah, she takes it. <laughs> The emergence from the nebula is quite bumpy. Friend does his best to pilot the Ross through, but you all get a good jostle as you're leaving one of the outskirts, one of these tendrils of clouds. If you can imagine this Ross-class starship slipping out through the purple gases of this expansive golden nebula that scatters across the sky. With a blanket of stars illuminating it from behind, the Ross just creeps out. And immediately, I'm going to ask Jane LeCat to run a scan because you just poked your head up. Oh, boy. Oh Sensors boy. immediately come back online the moment you leave the nebula. It's uh, the first time you've been able to see what's going on outside the Ross in a, almost a week. Three. Uh, well, I haven't given you the difficulty yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so, yes, you're going to roll your. Re- so, who wants to roll for Ross? Okay, so yeah, Ross is gonna roll her standard, uh, her standard fare, which of course is sensors plus science. Um, standard difficulty is for this scan is gonna be a one because of the proximity of the nebula. I'll go ahead and let you keep your successes, Lacat. So go ahead and roll for uh, the Ross. So four successes, so gain three momentum. You do a standard sensor sweep. The moment the Ross emerges from the nebula, you detect um, nothing extraordinary. A couple of ships are passing through the system. Most of them are civilian craft. There is a nebula-class science vessel, Federation, um, the USS Nye, which is passing through the sector right now and is on its way back after a a six-month deep space mission. you also detect on long-range sensors the presence of Starbase 105 and a, a plethora of subspace sonar, uh, subspace buoys uh, for the Federation. The USS Ross also immediately gets an upload from one of the nearby uh, sensor uh, near one of the nearby subspace buoys. So ships, clocks, and everything basically realigning with Federation. Everything just sort of like gets a refresh, along with mail. <laughs> Lots of data messages being passed and forth the moment the Ross comes back onto the grid. Everything just kind of refreshes and starts to upload. Um, uh, Jane looks for anything for uh, Olin. Obviously doesn't open someone else's mail, but is looking. Uh, yes, there is a reply. Great. Yes, uh, Olin, Olin has received a reply. Uh, Jane tries to just send up a spike of emotion so that your attention is caught when she uh, when she gets that. 
I'm just picturing what it looks like with Jane sitting at the sen- at like the science station internally screaming and just like <laughs> kind of glancing back a little bit at the ambassador. This is um, a this is a very familiar game. Sure. Um so it, Ola, it, Ola just kind of goes It's also completely unnecessary because since it is addressed to you, you're immediately pinged as the 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 data upload takes place. Like, but there's oh, this like the, the so excitability loud. of Lacat at the science station glancing back at you. Um A they're not responding fast enough and B, I don't know if you're checking your phone to see your mail that's just come in, but I need you to check your phone. Vryn looks back over her shoulder and says, We've cleared the nebula, Captain. Right, take us away. Maximum warp. Start setting your dogleg course. What? Uh, oh, so this is you plotting a false course and then plotting the real course. Is that correct? Yes, because we still need to clear much, much more distance to get out of the range of their long-range sensor, so they couldn't pick up our vector and thereby infer our destination. I totally get the logic. I just need orders for Vren. So yeah, you maximum Vren, warp. Uh, maximum warp. Yep. All right, so burn nine points off of Ross's energy. Yes, absolutely. And Chief, and... we are going to sustain that for as long as possible. Thank goodness we have two warp cores. Mm-hmm. Two! <laughs> All right, here we go. Control. I know what I did. <laughs> wow. Vren rolled a one and a 20. So he succeeds, but I get some threat. That's so on brand. <laughs> uh, did um, Ross roll out of that, by the way? Uh, no, does somebody want to roll for Ross? Yeah, I'll roll for Ross. Um, Ross is going to roll her... Uh, this should be Engine's Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got it. Okay, great. So the difficulty was only one anyway. Okay. Uh, for plotting the course. So... So how many total successes did we have? Hold on one sec. What was that? How many total successes did we have? Three. Three. So, uh, so we have enough to uh, mitigate that. Mm-hmm. Point. You certainly can. Uh, burn out the of our floating there. momentum because we were already running fairly high. Yeah. Sure. Uh, You're gonna spin those so, two and I can take it away. Yeah. Take it away. Just good because this can, might be the most threat I've had in a while. <laughs> um, the Ross leaps to warp. You yeah. all hear the. As the engines power up, and did you have something you wanted to do before you entered warp tech? Just saying that, uh, Captain, we will not be able to do that again with the amount of power that we have. We can only go full warp at this vector. As soon as we change course, we can't go at this uh, speed. Just wanted to let you know, okay. (laughs) Well, get that power regenerated as quickly as possible, Chief. Uh, I'm on it. Good. Dari looks up at you from the engineering, from like the island and the engineering, uh, main engineering. And when she looks at you, she goes, There it is. Uh, there it uh, is. Uh, I haven't heard this captain say, I need more power once until just now. I knew it was going to happen. There it is. <laughs> I'll get to work. Counting on you. <laughs> Dari disappears around the corner and you can hear her relaying information to all the other lieutenants and ensigns around the corner, just like, we're gonna need to regenerate power as soon as we get out of warp, because we're gonna be doing another hop. Okay. Vryn eyeing helm, prawl eyeing tactical stations. 
Sensors are not picking up anything at the moment. Jane's still eyeing him. How long, so just just narratively, give me a sense. How long are you guys, uh, how far are you traveling? How many hours, how many days? I believe warp, uh, maximum warp on a standard galaxy class, we could probably keep up for uh, eight to 12 hours. Uh, having said that, the my understanding of the virtue of the Ross in this use case is more endurance, which will allow us to widen the range by which uh, a slower ship, like basically widen the lead so that we can ultimately try to get beyond their long range sensor envelope. Sure, yeah, no, I, all that yeah. I completely, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But how long do you want to sustain this course? Uh, your plan is being enacted no matter how long yeah. you do it. I just want to know how long narratively do you choose to maintain this course heading before you jump to the next one? Uh, until we reach, let's for security, say 14 light years of distance. That feels comfortably beyond, uh, well, two light years beyond our own long range sensors. And frankly, I feel sanguine that ours are better. Nonetheless, okay. we have two light years of headroom at end by that time, I will hopefully have interviewed Sorex to have a better idea of where we should then set our course uh, so that we can go get those uh, schematics for his trip. Okay. Uh, so that is the story point that we will need as a prerequisite before we change course. Gotcha, okay. <laughs> All right. Just calculating this real quick. Nice. <laughs> I caught it and I like it. Uh, okay. Okay, so you travel about three days, um, 14 light years, warp nine, um, roughly three days. 9. What's that? 9.8, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, no, Ross is flying like a bat out of hell right now. Um, her power levels, by the way, at warp, with two warp cores in particular, you can regenerate power as you are traveling. So <clears throat> why don't we do this? Um, before we jump into the next scene, Let's have Chief Tech make a roll, and you are going to be assisted by Insandari, who has been coordinating the engineering teams to make sure that the USS Ross, it's not, Sander, mm -hmm. Tech is aware, it's not so much the juice. Mm -hmm. The Ross has an enormous amount of power. Right. The problem is distributing that power because yeah. two warp cores, it's gonna be so easy to blow a plasma conduit as you're trying to regenerate oh. this ship. So, um, go ahead and make a roll for me. I'm gonna roll for Dari. Um, okay. You're gonna you're gonna roll, and this the Ross is definitely going to assist. So you're gonna do. This is gonna be a. I'm gonna say this is a control engineering check. Great. And for there's Dari, a specific task for this, I believe. There is. Yeah. 
Um, reason, I'm going to have Dari do reason engineering. Okay. I'm going to spend one momentum for cautious engineering. Great. Okay, cool. Uh, can Dari do the same? Oh, wait. It's can't a talent. It's a talent. You can't do it. Okay. You can still, uh, no, you can't get the diets and assist. Yeah. But Dari does great. <laughs> well, tech does okay. You got a crit, which is oh, two nice. But that was only on one die. You failed the other two, so it's how many total successes? Two. Did we get a roll from Ross? Two, three. Uh, no, we haven't gotten a roll from Ross yet. Who would like to roll for Ross? Aki, if you could. Okay, so it's engines plus com. Con, rather. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. This would be engines plus engineering. So it doesn't really matter because I rolled a natural one. <laughs> nice. Woo! Okay. Um, so go ahead and bank that momentum. The difficulty on that was just one. We're a so we have off. a ton of floating, so uh, we can create an advantage here. And I feel like, under the circumstances, I would like to. Yes. Um, could I create the advantage of um, maybe sort of uh, like synchronize the warp course uh, so that it's it's less of an issue of we're taking advantage of both of them working in sync and I've just kind of figured it out and now whenever we have to make engineering roles we're creating this sort of in sync motion okay here's what I'll do you can use that to create advantage and what we'll do is we'll say narratively since you're burning that we'll say that while it's active for the remainder of the game which we'll be wrapping up here pretty shortly um, the Ross is going to regenerate its full power complement because the way I would, the way I would, the way I would normally do it is for the remainder of the scene, you all regenerate uh, your two power every like hour or whatever. In this case, um, since you're coming out of warp, I would say the Ross. You basically, you're basic with with the engineering team of the USS Ross, the Ox crew, and their chief. You are able to refine the process of what the originally the USS Ross having a secondary warp core was designed to do, which was to keep the Ross in a constant state of being able to draw upon the energy of the antimatter reaction in the warp course. As a result, it does what the designers of this experimental class Ross starship hoped it would do. And by the time you exit warp at 9.8, the Ross has a full power grid. <laughs> However, I am going to spend threat and create a trait that after this next jump, the Ross is going to require maintenance. Okay. So I'm going to activate a trait, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to act. You know how the Ross has a trait where things tend to break down if things go poorly. Um, I'm not pulling that one on you. Okay. But the Ross is going to require an overhaul, uh, not an overhaul, but like a maintenance time. It's probably time for that anyway. Yeah. So I understand that we have the momentum to reject it, but it does seem like bad sportsmanship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we had one more scene. Is that correct? Didn't you? Did you were requesting a scene, Sam? Is that oh, correct? Uh, I can certainly tell you again uh, if we are setting this new course. Uh, Though it is still possible that we can take a fairly obtuse angle and continue to kind of do these kind of course changes. The more we do, the more it expands our lead. But I do need to no. know 
where I'm going, so yes. I do need to talk to Sorex to get it. Don't throw anything at him. He's not good at catching. I, so you're going to go to Sorex's quarters? Uh, we've had the motif of going to... Uh, the holodeck? Hello? To the holodeck. Uh, though on reflection, and given our last time there, uh, I would confer with my commander, but my instinct would be simply to go to a place that is real. Do you have any recommendations, Exia? Um, you are welcome to use my office. He has had several interactions there that were quite calming at times. Very well. So okay. uh, we'll meet in the holodeck. Oh, no. Um, no. My no, no, actual office, office office. Okay. Yeah, my counseling office. Uh, so not, um, it's sort of near my quarters. Is Exio there? Um, not at the moment. Um, okay. So this um, is just between the captain and Sorex then? Very good. Okay. Yes, this seems more, um, this isn't a counseling session. The door is open. The two security officers wait outside. Uh, Sorex steps in. Um, unless you want them inside, Captain. But traditionally, you guys have been having them wait outside. Yes, I'm perfectly content with that. I don't need that, Benson. Thank you. He looks around and then glances at you and says, you only ever call me out of my quarters for something you want. Well, would you prefer I call you to discuss literature? It would be pace a nice change of pace, yes. I'll make a note. A note. What do you want? Do you remember the discussion we had before? You'll have to be more specific. You agreed to help me plan a mission to retrieve schematics to the chip that was placed in your brain. Right. That time has come. I have done my utmost to evade those who would have pursued us, who might have seen where you would take us. If I've done my job, they won't be able to track us, but I need a course to set to know where to go to get those schematics. You really care for your vessel, don't you? And the people on board are very important to you, family, in many respects. Hmm. I admire that. There are a lot of Romulans who might mock it, but they would be lying. They might see it as a weakness to exploit, but they would admire it as well. Family is very, very important to Romulans. And the most important thing to Orions as well. The place I would have you go is deep within Romulan territory beyond the neutral zone. I doubt you're willing to risk, risk the Ross.
Then how would you suggest we infiltrate? You did request of me that you assist in planning the op. We need to take another means of transportation to cross the Romulan neutral zone. And we would need a team. Preferably people that you trusted that could get the job done. Skills similar to the ones you and I have. And would be willing to do what is necessary if we were to encounter resistance. I think we have both observed the existence of those skills on my staff, yes. If you can procure our transportation, I can get us to where we need to go. Any particular kind of vessel, any sort of security that I would need to circumvent, is a civilian vessel adequate? No, even civilian vessels are treated with suspicion. Even though the Romulan Star Empire has opened its borders, we would need something a little more Romulan. And where might we acquire such a thing? I may know of a place, but I can't be sure if it's still there. Are you familiar with a world called Nimbus 3? Is Saul? Yes, Nimbus 3 is a world that exists within the neutral zone. Uh, it is. It, it, it is the Moss Eisley of Star Trek. It is a disgusting, like, water hole out in the middle of the desert nowhere. It's, uh, it, it is commonly, for those of us who watch the movies, it is featured in Star Trek V and uh, used to be a place where both Federation Romulan and Klingons came together to hang out and be like a junction point. There is a place called Paradise City, um, that uh, exists on Nimbus 3 that was supposed to be this garden spot in the middle of a desert, and it has since turned into a putrescent haven for some of the most disgusting people crossing the neutral zones. And Uhura does a fancy dance. And Uhura gets naked and dances. Woo! Yes, she does. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mute myself now. <laughs> um, but he eyes you, and he says... There, yeah, I know the place. There's a Romulan shuttle, supposedly, still accessible on Nimbus 3. But I can't confirm that. But if it's there, that would be our best bet. Unless you are interested in getting back into wetworks. And if I could be honest... Though I have the stomach for murder, Captain, I have no interest in killing members of my own government. Nor would I ask you to, Mr. Sorax. I understand the terms of our cooperation. I wouldn't ask you to violate your own duty, and I expect the same. 
Very well. Hello. I'll set a course for Nimbus 3. If you take the Ross to Nimbus 3, you will be giving us up. No, we should take a shuttle, some long-range craft of some kind. Once we're a touch closer, yes. There's warp speed to consider. And then we will send the Ross herring off on a wild... We'll send the Ross away. And let Mendak chase that for a while. You see he looks troubled as you say the name Mendak again. Why does he want you so badly, Zorix? I can't remember. All I know is, is that he is one of our greatest warriors. He commands the respect of the Romulan Star Empire. He is a true patriot and someone I feel a sense of admiration for. I don't know why he wants me. I don't know what I mean to him. Perhaps when my memory returns, I'll hold some key piece of information he needs, or maybe I know something that I don't realize I know. Or something that we missed. He's... feared. Not for cruelty, for his genius. Would he ally with Sila? I don't know. I don't have that much of a memory. I, I only have feelings, thoughts. If Sila were raw ambition, Mindek would be a true patriot. He commands the respect of the entire Navy. And Sila divides us. But if Sila has convinced him that she is the future, he might ally with her, yes. I simply wonder how many of my fellow Romulans know that this is the case. He is not Tal Shiar. It is strange to be on the outside of all of this. I'm not used to knowing so little about the goings on. The perks of retirement, I suppose. I find it... liberating. Not questioning every move, not trying to anticipate every piece on the board, not wondering about every motivation, not distrusting everybody I see. I 
would be mocked for my naivete, but the truth is, while I am bred for it, while I am good at it, on this side of it, I see now, spending all this time among you, humans and Orions and Vulcans and holograms. I wasn't... I was fulfilling the role of a loyal Romulan soldier, but I wasn't really alive. Not really. I enjoy not being an instrument. Sila would turn the Romulan Star Empire into her instrument. And who would oppose her? Members of the Senate, those who have inherited the role since their colleague's death at the hands of Praetor Shinzon. People who believe in the rights of Remans. Sila is a traditionalist. She thinks the Remans should return to their place as servants and slaves. She is an avid believer in reunification and the conquest of Vulcan. Anybody who has a more progressive school of thought, Captain, anybody who wants a future for the Romulan Star Empire, as opposed to digging deeper into our paranoid and xenophobic past, to the false promises that we are inheritors of the galaxy, after everything we've seen, those who are wise enough to break free of the fear that is based in their deeply conservative mindsets Anybody opposed would be opposed to Sila. And my suspicion is, with the weakened state of the government, that they are more numerous, simply afraid to speak up because of the tall Shi'ar. Then may true Romulan patriots lend them strength, Mr. Sorax. We will see. The two of you stand apart from each other in silence, letting that settle in. There's more than a few things that he has said to you, Captain Sull, that remind you so much of the devastating struggles of the Orion people and how locked they are in a cultural mindset that keeps them believing that they're powerful, but truly at the whims of the galaxy. And how they've kind of devoured themselves in the process. It may be on a different scale and it may look completely different, but it's the same monster. And as we cut away, we see Ambassador Olin Majanil opening mail in their quarters. And the moment the text file opens, Ambassador, you see the text file immediately blinks and blips out. And it is immediately replaced with the animation that says establishing link, which a beat later 
It says transmission established and flashing onto the screen, you see the face of your father in a live connection direct from Starfleet command under an encrypted channel. His face just appears. Hello, Pa. Not who I was expecting to see. Olin, it's time to talk. Yeah, just go ahead. And and that that (laughs) is where we have to leave tonight as we've gone 16 minutes over. But um, that is the good news is there are 31 days in this month, which means we get another game of Clear Skies next week before we hand it off to our uh, Klingon crew, see what they've been up to. Um, Oh, boy. This episode was fraught with guessing and second guessing and triple guessing and quadruple guessing and unveiling and uncovering and trying to unwind all of these tangled webs and um, throwing things and throwing the horgons yeah. violently look <laughs> it was just a test i'll know better next time mccrell you need to start a band called throwing horgons that's that's what it that's what this means that's the essentially cover of my Daft Punk cover. <laughs> if there's ever a piece of fan art made, please, please make it of the throwing horgons. Catch! <laughs> I mean, speak for yourself. I'm about to go make a wanted poster of a goose. <laughs> Have a good night, y'all. <laughs> y'all, you do that. I'm gonna go make. I'm gonna go make an image of a, a dragon turtle smoking a cigarette on on a rock while waving goodbye to a cat. Everybody has their own <laughs> art project. We all have our assignments. Yeah. All right, great. Good, good, good. Um, Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We'll be back, of course, next Monday night at 6.30 p.m. Um, And don't forget to catch all of our lovely friends who are doing all of the storytelling this coming week. On Wednesday night, of course, we have Call of Cthulhu coming up with our favorite friends from GNS getting back together. I love it when you women get together. Y'all are a bunch of freaking hilarious badasses. And I really want to watch you try to play Call of Cthulhu without cracking yourselves up and crying with laughter as you die screaming. Um, It's going to be highly entertaining. Um, and of course, uh, Bonnie, you and Xander, um, you all have things coming up too. Is, is your concert this weekend or is it? Uh, it's, it's a, Saturday? it's a variety show. Yeah. This, that's right. This Saturday. Yeah. And then Xander, so, you have, what, what was it? You have your RPG show available. Uh, it's this Saturday, the 22nd, uh, check out our Twitter. And then Gina and I have a show on Friday at, uh, 6 30 uh, right. or six o'clock. Six. 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 All right. Six surface. It's called failed save. Failed save. Well-named, apparently. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us for our Star Trek adventure. We will see you next Monday night for another one. Until then, hailing frequencies are closed.